fractals, Fibonacci, sacred geometry, infinity, forever, spiraling out. Aloha, fellow students of the cosmos. This is your good buddy, Brendan, a.k.a. Skull Babylon, a.k.a. Skull the Wolf, here with you tonight for another exciting episode, live broadcast edition of Paradigm Shift Destiny School, with tonight's broadcast being specifically, tonight's class being specifically about the topic of sacred geometry. So, Huge shout out to everyone who's tuned into this, and of course, those of you who are new to this, you're in for a treat. This is going to be really exciting, and as per usual, we are joined together by fellow shifters, fellow students of the cosmos from across the internet, from across the globe. So let's uh, let's all unmute our microphones, guys. Let's uh, say hello to the beautiful people who are tuned into this right now, live and in the future. Aloha. Aloha, students. We love you guys. Oh, my God. You're so Aloha. 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 Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being a part of this. And again, you're listening to Paradigm Shift Destiny School. This is an ongoing interactive classroom that we have created as a space to be able to practice having conscious discussion. It's to be able to practice talking about some of the metaphysical aspects of reality that we don't always get a chance to be able to talk about in everyday normal public spheres. So what we're going to do here within this topic uh, of sacred geometry, we're really just going to go over some of the basics. We're going to go talk about like what is sacred geometry? What does it teach us about reality? Like what, Where can we see it? What are some examples of it? Where does it show up within history? Where does it show up within technology? Where does it show up within symbolism and culture? And really helping connect the dots and just being able to help it understand and expand expand our understanding of our connection to reality and also the uh, nature of consciousness, so to speak. So for those of you who may be entirely new to this, of course, this is a bit part of a bigger project of ParadigmShiftCentral.com, which is a real-world interactive game to help shift consciousness. And of course, you can go there and check out all of the cool things through the social platform of the website. You can find the quest journals, the conscious articles. You can sign up. You can create your own content to submit to the website. You can also find all the past broadcasts that we do through this project, including previous episodes of Destiny School, which up to this point, the previous ones leading up to this were on health and fitness, and prior to that were meditation, and prior to that was also on dream exploration. So there's actually a natural progression where I intentionally wanted to have sacred geometry sort of like in this order. So, you know, we've talked about lucid dreaming, which again, you know, we have dream classes as well, which is another broadcast you can check out. So dreaming is like such a fundamental part of understanding metaphysical aspects of reality. And then we talked about meditation, such a, again, a fundamental part. And we talked about health and fitness, really like focusing on these root aspects. And then without even getting like too, too far into things, like focusing right on sacred geometry. And sacred geometry for me uh, was definitely a huge part of, of my awakening. And, and without needing to say much, because we'll go around the circle and we'll get some uh, ideas from some of the other students here in the classroom as to what sacred geometry means to them and what does it teach us about reality. From my own perspective, it really helped me understand concepts such as infinity. Uh, prior to really comprehending what sacred geometry is, infinity was something that just seemed like out of my grasp. It seemed like it was out of my realm of comprehension. But once I understood concepts like as above, so below, and I, and I was able to observe the fractal nature of reality, it, it really started to help piece things together, and it really helped me understand more of my place within this universe in terms of our place as individuals. Uh, it, it really without needing to get too, too far into things, it, it, it helped me understand that there is an infinity above us and infinity below us. And no longer did I feel like I was just like this, in, in, like, you know, just like a, in, like 
a really small speck within this mass spectrum. Like, even though we were, even though we are, uh, we still understand that, like, we're still freaking huge on some levels compared to the quantum levels of this reality below us. So uh, it really just helps you, from my own understanding, understand a little bit more about our place within this reality. It helps us understand the whole idea that you are not the uh, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are a dro you are an ocean in a drop. By quoting Rumi in that sense, and so again, we'll explore more about this, and we'll get into some topics. And um, you know, I literally have like the pine cone here, and and again, you know, for people who may be entirely new to this topic, please just enjoy, listen, keep this with the, like listen to it with an open mind, and really just allow this to be a platform for you to continue connecting the dots in your own way. And this will be probably a long classroom, and uh, yeah. With that said, let's get right into it. So, what we're gonna do, we're gonna kind of go around the circle, and we'll um, invite some of the other classmates in to just share a little bit to begin with as to what sacred geometry teaches us about reality. And that is kind of like an open-ended question, but kind of like add in a little bit of your own subjective experience. You know, like maybe like how did when did you start noticing sacred geometry as well? So, um. We'll uh, we'll start off. Uh, I'm actually just gonna pass it over to uh, Kyle, who's uh, one of the regulars here in the class. We'll start off with Kyle, and then from there we'll uh, jump around and get some of the uh, other people to volunteer, and we'll get you guys just to volunteer, just uh, out of like you guys tell me what order you want to go in. So um, with that said, we'll, we'll pass over to Kyle, aka one of the admins for Paradigm Shift Delaware, the community over there. And uh, yeah, long story short, just because I'll mention this later, there's Paradigm Shift communities all across the world, and we want you guys to be able to help create the physical communities where you are, so definitely stay tuned with this project, and this is a digital sacred space to be able to practice these conversations, but it's really more about being able to create them in the digital, in the physical spaces as well. So this is all just practice, let's have some fun, and let's do this. So Kyle, passing the talking stick over to you, what has sacred geometry taught you about reality, and share a little bit about us, about, you know, maybe when did you start noticing it, and uh, anything else you want to share. Go ahead, Kyle. Sacred geometry... To me, sacred, ge uh, sacred geometry is <clears throat> patterns um, of frequency and vibration that are depicted by the movement of different planets and other celestial bodies in the sky. Um, the way that the Earth vibrates and hums, you know, how the ohm is kind of the sound of the Earth, it's like it's supposed to be the, the frequency, the vibration of the Earth, and that's reflected in, in uh, and like you can see it in, in puddles of water, when, when, when anything, you know, vibrates them, it, it has a, a frequency, like, like you can watch the ripples in the water go, like, like in a pond or whatever, you know what I mean, <laughs> um, that's actually in one of the Journey to Lucidity movies. I saw that. That's probably that's probably when I um, started really paying attention to it. Is when I watched the Journey to Lucidity. I think it was number two. Was the one where he was talking about the uh, the frequencies and sacred geometry and and um, <clears throat> how these uh, different frequencies and vibrations are very healing. How they you know you get away from cell phone towers and radio waves and, and you're not being bombarded by all these electronic interferences and you can go out and, and your frequency will adapt and reset and you'll, you'll probably start feeling a lot better and start having a lot less anxiety and everything like that. That's where I think sacred geometry comes from. 
you know, different bodies in the skies in space that push frequent. Like they just they, they vibrate, you know, their resonant frequency depicts that, their motion, their travel through the vacancy of space creates that that pattern that we would you know see as fractals or sacred geometry. It's like a big algorithm that goes to like some Mandela guy, Robert Mandela or someone who um Mandelbrot? Yeah, the Mandelbrot. The Mandelbro. Mandelbro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um no, he wrote yeah. it in algorithm. He yeah, wrote I mean, it in algorithm and like eats itself and can replicate it at some point you it'll replicate for infinity. That was in a in a video about how they use that in uh, video games to create worlds and 3D environments. Yeah, we'll, like we'll definitely get into the Mandelbrot set later and like the idea of like how a simple algorithm can create like an infinitely well, complex world. Yeah, that's sort of like self-generating I mean, and stuff. Yeah. When he first punched in that algorithm, that's what made the first like digital fractal pattern. That's how we kind of noticed it, you yeah. know, like that. Or maybe not. That's how we noticed it. But he figured it out through that algorithm that he created, or whatever. Like he plugged the end into the beginning, and then it does something else. And like the first one was a was like the regular fractal pattern that you usually see on YouTube, where it just goes and goes and goes to a point, and then goes through a hole, and then it's the the next one is the starting point again. Um, yeah. That's kind of, you know, just a, a small, made of smaller segments of itself. Trees and certain, you know, like, like coral and, and other, other things, certain vegetables, how they're kind of composed of smaller segments of themselves and some living creatures too that you know, like yeah. insects and things like that. It's all around us, especially in nature and trees, and even on our, on, on us as human beings, everything we're all we're all native. You know, it goes from my body to my arm to my hand, where I have smaller versions of tube-like appendages with more and more joints on them. It goes from two on the arm, and then goes down, and then you got three on the finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle, I'll just um, jump in for a second here. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, again, you know, like, within the introduction of, of what sacred geometry is, and, and I apologize because I didn't exactly clearly explain this uh, off the beginning, even though it, it's going to reveal itself throughout the conversation. Um, one of the simplest ways that I can explain sacred geometry is, like, the consistent proportions found all throughout nature, uh, these underlying patterns found all throughout reality. And so, I mean, again, you know, some of the observable patterns that we do have are things like the branches. And, again, you know, so, like, that's, like, even, like, on a leaf here, which I picked off from a tree. So, I mean, this is, like, really stating the obvious, but, like, you see, like, the veins 
if you want to call them that, of the tree, of the of the leaf, which is like the same pattern that we see of the branches themselves. And then if you, you can't even see it with this camera, but if you like look even between the observable veins, there's actually even more minuscule veins. And so, I mean, like the, the Mandelbrot set is this idea of like a self-replicating pattern that doesn't need to change itself based on scale. Like on, on one scale to another, it can use the same patterns over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so I mean, again, you know, like there's certain aspects of sacred geometry when we're talking about like like fractals, branch patterns. Some of the terms that you'll hear as we go out this will be like the Fibonacci sequence, which is like a numerical sequence that sort of refers to proportions. Uh, again, the Mandelbrot set. Um, you know, and then you get into like the more like straight line sacred geometrical patterns uh, that we might recognize as in like, you know, like Star of David or, you know, Metatron's cube and everything like that. Um, so again, you know, just covering the basics though, like, yeah, the underlying proportions found all throughout nature and reality. And uh, again, we'll, we'll We'll just explore it as we go, but um, again, Kyle, just passing back to you, just uh, and then we'll pass it over to the next person. Um, if there's anything else that you just want to share related to like what you feel sacred geometry has like helped you sort of understand, or, or how it has helped you understand a little bit more about reality, just in short form for now. Kind of, um, kind of, sort of that personal change sort of behaves like when you're striving for personal change and you grow for the better and positive and making those those like fine-tuning fine-tuning aspects about yourself you'll notice yourself going through patterns of behavior like and that's and that's you just trying to shed shed out old skin shed old shadow material that's not um not like Compatible anymore. I guess you could call it compatible. <clears throat> um, you'll go through patterns of repeating behavior, and but they get they get less and less, and you notice more things as each one comes. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's what I can. Do. Oh, okay, so that's what I have to do. And then you go, oh, okay, you know. And then you start realizing like where you stand and where you are. And oh, okay. I remember. I remember this year and that. And then that year and this, and I can see the pattern here, and I can see the pattern there. <clears throat> so in the same way that that algorithm sort of um, replicates itself, it's like it's like you got, it's like when it when it tapers off, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and you get back to the starting point again. You have another. You have an an aspect of starting point to where you can clearly see what was, what can be, what is now, and the choice that you have to make now. And then, like, but that'll come up again. You know, and it'll get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until so you go boom. Then you got something similar, and then you get to a point where it's like, okay, well now I can either do this or do that. You know, like, <laughs> so. It's um, it's it's cool to see how that pattern of behavior in humanity works, mm. uh, and everyone has has repeating psychological behaviors, and you can see it, and you can begin to judge people on when you know when what and what's where, and. Um, I guess I don't know. Like maybe that's 
maybe that's yeah. like you know something that other people could become aware of and that could help them you know but um I can say that like in a real world aspect for like the most layman's terms way of saying that I could say the repeating behaviors in one's own life and noticing when they happen and and, and what triggers or what you know those repeating behaviors and when they come up and the numbers related yeah. to them and what you have to do and where you have to go from there you could say that yeah. Sacred geometry, and that's kind of, and that's kind of really skewing it in a different direction. That's bending the metal. I was gonna say that that is like a a very uncommon direction that that you sort of hear sacred geometry being talked about, but one that um, I definitely think is really interesting. And you know, again, we'll explore it as we go through the class. But yeah, you're right. The idea of observing the patterns we see within the physical representations of sacred geometry and applying those to social patterns and applying those to behavioral patterns, like, and actually understanding that, like, are like if everything follows the patterns of sacred geometry, then we have to understand that like our own actions, the way we move throughout the day, are yeah. actually within the proportions of sacred geometry. So um, that's yeah. a good way of putting it. You're right. Like it's a good way to sort of think about like how habits appear within our brain within a fractal pattern. And you know, it might like start off as something big, but then it like reduces to something small. You know, you might have like a habit that you're trying to get rid of. And instead of just like cutting it off at the source, you have to like crystallize it bit by bit by bit. So it yeah. becomes like a fraction of what it was. Yeah. Um, in that sense. Uh, it, it's so again it's talking like about magic certain, like in, like in witchcraft kind of magic, it's um it's similar in the same in the same patterns because <clears throat> the different planets that rotate and spin on their own axis and rotate around the sun and pass by us that we use for magic and witchcraft or whatever you wanna whatever your practice might be you know um depending upon the moon what what planet is retrograde what retrograde and what planet is active etc. Um, <clears throat> those are the geometric patterns that occur that get placed onto Earth. You know, like those different yeah. frequencies and patterns and geometric shapes that come. Those can be used. They they can be plotted mathematically, plotted and then timed out precisely to different magical working to get the most effective result. And you know that's. That's like some some advanced stuff, but yeah, it's pretty advanced. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's 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 another relation of sacred geometry, sort of in the same way. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, well. Um, Definitely, like, I, I just kind of want to like not get into the too advanced stuff before we cover yeah, some of the basics, right. but. Yeah, like you, you, you mentioned it earlier, um, and I'll just say this, and we'll pass it off to anyone who wants to go next. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, collectively, as we go through this, we'll just aim to keep this uh, as concise as possible, just because I know this is going to be a long broadcast either way. But uh, acknowledging that sacred geometry is also the study of, of sound and the study of vibrational frequencies and cymatics. So if we're talking about sacred geometry, we have to be talking about sound frequencies. And that is kind of the idea is that like the physical symbols that we see 
are symbols of sound frequencies, and the sound frequencies create the physical symbols. Um, and there's like this whole thing, and I'll just plant the seed now, but it, it was interesting because it was in a video that I was watching, and it was talking about how the rings of Saturn and Saturn itself is actually like emitting uh, a sound frequency that in, is in itself um, sort of creating uh, like almost like a, a holographic matrix for our reality, so to speak. Yeah, it, yeah it, I heard of that. It's, uh, David Icke talks about it, um, and again, I'll just like uh, just say that now, because let's, let's cover some more stuff before we, before we get yeah. into that. But the idea of like a planet actually being like an emitter of a vibration. Um, so I mean, yeah, Apparently like... Our whole galaxy is inside of this crazy bubble. This was only some <laughs> weird Discovery Channel episode of something way back in the day, but apparently our whole galaxy, Milky Way galaxy, is in some sort of cosmic bubble that, like, the Earth has an ionosphere. Our galaxy has a similar field, a similar toroidal-style field that protects us from, like, crazy, weird, outside deep space radiation, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, so let's, let's tip store, let's tip our way through this again, you know, kind of designing this, uh, with the idea that there's going to be people who are brand new to this and, and just kind of easing our way into things. Um, Kyle, thank you, and, uh, um, I do want to go over some, like, basic visual imagery, uh, real quickly, um, just before we pass it over to the next person, and, uh, let me just do that bum, 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 real quick. So I'm just going to do a screen share. So again, like for people who aren't necessarily uh, listening, to, who are just watching this from, who are just listening to the audio version in the future, um, you're going to be missing out on a little bit of this. But it's just like some images that we pulled off the Google. And again, like I, I just encourage you guys to like run a Google search on sacred geometry even while listening to this broadcast, and you guys can help compile links and post them into the show notes. So the main link on the website for this class, uh, you can post them into the comments there. So again, you know, like just like starting from some of them. So again, we have the the tree branches. The tree branches are a very common, easily recognizable pattern that we see on the micro and macro levels of of reality. We see them in trees. We see them in our veins. We see them in lightning bolts. We see them in rivers and streams and uh, so forth and so on. Then we have the man like sort of the uh, fractalated Mandelbrot set that we see within. Some vegetables, and uh, again, that's sort of like this, like infinitely unfolding proportions that just continues to uh, replicate itself at infinite scale. And we'll get more into that later. Then we have the brain cell, cell, and the universe comparison. The easily recognizable idea of the microcosm and the macrocosm. Again, when you see the same patterns of a brain cell replicated through the patterns of the universe, and that's like the representation of the black matter of the universe. And we have the pinecone spiral, which again, you know, within the symbolism, we'll get more into this later. We see the symbolism of the pinecone all throughout ancient cultures and obviously there is a correlation between that and expanded consciousness and the pine cone in the pineal gland and we'll talk more about it as we go through and anybody is welcome to bring that up as we go through. That's a pretty picture of the galaxy. Then we also have the uh, the commonly recognized symbol of the Vesca Pisces when you have two circles coming over top of one another and creating the almond shape middle, the almond shape in the middle or the eyeball shape 
and uh, that is also called a dyad. Uh, it's uh, it's called Vesca Pisces because that is Latin for fish fish bladder. Uh, some people probably don't know that, but that's like why it's called Vesca Pisces. Vesca Pisces means fish bladder, and that is the shape of a fish bladder. So um, you can either refer to that as Vesca Pisces or dyad or almond shape. Um, or whatever else. And then again, so here's an easy recognizable visual imagery of some of the as above, so below aspects, the spiral patterns, the fingerprint being the same fingerprint that we see within a galaxy. That's one of the great examples that you can give to people in discussion. You know, you can just say to them, hey, did you ever notice that the spiral of your fingerprint is the same spiral of a galaxy? And literally, until people see that, it may be brand new to them. So again, you know, we see this spiral pattern, and that's what is referred to as the Fibonacci sequence. And again, we'll get more into that as we go, and we'll explain why it's so relevant. And then we get into the idea of toroidal fields, the, the donut shape that we see all throughout uh, matrices and all throughout realities. And uh, again, like that's pretty much those are pretty, so those those are, those are just some of the basics. And um, again, we'll get more into that as we kind of go through things. Um, but with that said, I just want to be able to pass the talk and stick around. And uh, as we do, guys, just feel free to just say your name, introduce yourself, and uh, again, you know, just say a little bit about why sacred geometry, how sacred geometry helps us understand more a bit about reality and maybe some of your own relationship to it. And um, I will just say this real quick: is that you know. It seems that what's interesting is that for a lot of us, we don't come into this reality straight up, or at least by the time we're able to think for ourselves, with a full conscious awareness of our unity. It seems that we sort of have to forget it in order to go through the process of remembering it, and studying sacred geometry is, I believe, the fundamental first steps towards being, one of the fundamental first steps towards being able to understand one's personal and direct connection to the unity of their environments when they see the patterns of their nature of nature within themselves and realize that they are part of that same system, that same matrix. Um, so again, we can expand more on that idea. So let's uh, let's pass the talking stick around, though. Uh, who would like to go next? I think Roman's got his hand up. So Roman, we'll, we'll pass it over to you, and uh, go ahead. It's all yours. Yes, thank you. Uh, very well said, uh, Kyle, Brendan. You guys brought up some really good points, and I mean, not just points, but you know, like lessons people could just listen to on their own. Um, but I got a thing here. I think sacred geometry, like, building constructs and I think is as soon as you understand that I think as soon as you understand it um, spiritual and philosophical teachings become much easier to understand and to relate to uh, the physical world so sacred geometry involves universal patterns used in the design of everything in our reality most often seen in sacred architecture and sacred art the basic belief. This is Google, so they're going to call it a belief rather than just investigative, uh, conscious looking. So is that that geometry and mathematical ratios, harmonics, and proportion are also found in music, light, and cosmology? And to put light upon the thing that Kyle said earlier about magic is... Uh, Crowley defined it as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. That means the will of the creator type of, type of idea where it's not do whatever you want, it's do what's, uh, do what's within moral boundaries, which is universal spiritual boundaries. So I just wanted yeah. to touch on that real quick. 
And of course, uh, things like tarot and uh, numerology and sacred geometry all line up together, and you could associate them all with both. And if you go to your sacred geometry 101, then you'll end up who knows where. Uh, it's very difficult to explain sacred geometry uh, entirely with a single statement. So I guess that's what this school is for, to teach people who don't know what's going on. So I hope that original definition helped. Um, sacred geometry is everything, and everything is sacred geometry. It corresponds with the as above, so below, as within, as without. <clears throat> all of creation, all life, and all things root and are traceable to sacred geometry because it's not just that it's a geometry or a circle or a cube or a Fibonacci sequence. It's, it, it is the building blocks of life. Like A really good way to think about it is you know how science teaches people about atoms and molecules and, and quarks and um, electrons, protons, neutrons. Think of all of those as just building blocks and all of those Imagine them as little flowers or seeds of life, where it's just the circle, the circle, the circle, all put together, and you line it up, and you get like a, I don't want to say David Starr, because I know a better name for it, but you get like, there's so many structures, and all you did was just shift the circle in conscious direction. So you started off with one circle, and now you've got like a, I mean, you've got a tesseract, you've got a David Starr, you've got a pyramid. You've got a dodecahedron. Like it's it's amazing what it really is, and um, it also helps people better understand just normal regular geometry they've got to do in school. And there's the whole thing with the Platonic solids, which is a lesson in and of itself. I don't know if anyone wants to get in with that, but yeah, and it was really helpful. Uh, like Brendan said, it was really helpful along his path, as in, as I'm sure it was with a lot of other people's. Because one of the first things I learned when I delved into this was sacred geometry, and that's what kind of grounded me. And it was like, wow, this has been everywhere, everywhere, forever, and no one's ever picked on—not no one—but this is the first time I've seen it or picked up on it. And it's kind of—it's not smart to to disregard it because it's—I mean—it's self-evident, basically. So. Word. Cool. Thanks, Roman. Um, yeah, definitely. Like that's that's the great thing about sacred geometry is that you you don't necessarily need to convince someone about it. You can literally point to them. You can point to it and and let them sort of study it on on their own. And, and I think that's that's again you know where people get into this idea of like learning from nature. Um, that was when sacred geometry really revealed itself to me. I, I I knew what it was, but it wasn't until I like I literally just like sat in front of a tree and I was like all right, tree, like, what do you have to teach me, you know, and I just, like, studied it, and then I realized that that tree was actually a model for myself in multiple fashions, including time, which I'll explain more later, um, but yeah, like, sacred geometry is so everything, and, 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 and which brings up the question, though, like, is it everything, because maybe, maybe, maybe this is very theoretical, but, like, maybe there's, like, other multidimensional aspects of reality where sacred geometry doesn't doesn't unfold the way it unfolds here or something like that. Um, that's kind of like way outside the box and we're getting into like some pretty hyperdelic realm, realms. Or maybe it is. Maybe it literally is uh, consistent throughout all multidimensional realities. And if so, why and how? You know, they're kind of getting into ideas that are almost like outside of a regular comprehension. Um, but it would make sense if it is like consistent. It's like this underlying code of the matrix 
it's the fundamental like aspects that like things can grow upon, and uh, yeah, uh, I'll just say that for now. So uh, we'll we'll keep passing the talking stick around the circle. Uh, whoever would like to go next, uh, please just feel free to unmute themselves, and we'll pass the talking stick over to you. So give a second to whoever wants to jump in next. And uh, we do got a few people, so we'll let Jack go next. So Jack, go ahead, and then anybody else after that, feel free to jump in. So Jack, go ahead. What? Tell us a little bit about how sacred geometry helps us understand reality and maybe your own personal relationship with it. All right. Um, sacred geometry to me is, you know, I guess it's like everybody says, you know, I want to see the fingerprint of the creator. I want to understand that there is a universal divine, like, archetype or some kind of some kind of thumbprint, you know, that you can really look at and say, oh, this is what this reality is created based upon these standards of mathematics or this and that. And sacred geometry is basically the tool that can kind of let us connect our minds with our feminine, the earth, the feelings, like seeing an actual, you know, pine cone, which is in one of his movies he had, in the sacred geometry that's in a pine cone and like understanding that this permeates throughout our entire uh, reality and to start to look at these things and, and to see that there is an architect there's like some kind of divine plan of this certain you know energy that's creating everything that we're in right now so personally for me the only um, experiences I've had with sacred geometry was when I was doing an interview and Archangel Metatron came to me and I was talking about carbon-7 and about the changing of the densities of the human body and there was all these downloads I got from Archangel Metatron and Metatron's cube is the sacred geometry you know of carbon-7 which is the three electrons the three protons and the one neutron you know that is the change that's going on so from a deep level these sacred geometries can also change. And when they when that law from the higher dimension actually changes, it has an effect on this physical reality. So everything so, as above, so below is created in the mind. And then it slowly lowers in vibration to become physical. So for me, the personal experience of, you know, Archangel Metatron with the Metatron's cube and then the over overarching idea of how it's like a thumbprint of the creator that people are starting to be able to see now with the conscious grid and how people are so connected. So that's just my take. So Cool. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Hey, um, is that Roman? Go ahead, Roman. Oh, you wanted to say something? Or you just oh, no, go ahead. Okay. By all means. Uh, do you mind if I do screen share real quick? Sure, sure. What do you got? Let me find the ability to do it first. Yeah, there's a green button on the left within the Google Hangout. Uh, and then you can select the right. Okay, so... Um, yeah, we'll do a screen share, and then we'll keep going around. All right, you guys see it good? Yep. All right, now for anyone watching, um, I found this pretty good page that explains it, but uh, to talk about the thing Brendan was talking about earlier, here is the Saturn North Pole... Uh, radio image and you can see the hexagonal shape in there and how it's reverberating like sound oh, so 
<laughs> yeah. That's what. Yeah, it's not just words in a theory. Like there's a little bit of uh, stuff to back this up. And it, I, to honestly, to me, it's not that far fetched as you can see in the image. I really had to blow it up. Um, but yeah, and then here, I don't know how good you can see it, but it's the Great Pyramid above and below, and the Fibonacci spiral is present in not only the Egyptian site, but many other sites, but here you have Pi, or Phi, or whatever, and you have Cairo, and you come here with the Great Pyramid and the two smaller pyramids, and the Sphinx lines up geometrically perfectly right in the middle. Uh, culminating across, you have it in const lines up of constellations, Fibonacci spiral in nature and even in uh, galaxy formations, which I guess the toroidal field would basically be what they would... Um, I mean, it's not like they have 100% evidence that there's a black hole in the middle of every galaxy, but there is a large force pool, far, far force pool in uh, present there. And you can see how it would make sense in a toroidal field if you've ever studied black holes to any kind of extent. And you even have the Fibonacci spiral uh, spiral present 2D on the constellation. Music. I haven't looked into how it's related to music, but it is just as much as it is related to uh, cosmology and all that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Well, thanks, Roman. Um, yeah, again, like, there, guys, there is so much that we can get into related to Sega Geometry. Um, and again, I do want to do some more screen share stuff later. Uh, in, in between the next person, I'm going to just pull up a video of Cymatics, which I think is really great. And uh, there's another video that I made um, that just helps us, like, understand sort of the fundamentals of uh, infinity. Um, I'll pull that up after as well. Um, but again, we're just going to pass over to the next person. The only thing that I just wanted to say real quick <clears throat> is the idea of, like, you know, even the, the term sacred geometry, like, why... Some people might, might sort of, like, think, like, why is it called sacred geometry, right? Like, is that a religious thing? What's going on here, right? For me, uh, it took me a while to sort of wrap my head around this, but for me, like, sacred, if I were to be able to define the word sacred, sacred for me means, like, in close proximity to origin is kind of what it means to me. So, like, sacred is just, like, before something goes, like, all the way down the river, the river, and and you don't even like know like where it came from, and you can barely even tell what it is anymore. Like that's like less, it's still sacred, but it may not be recognizably sacred. Whereas like something closer to the source, um, or directly connected to source, and and, and observably connected to source is uh, recognized as like sacred. Um, again, that's not the best definition. It, it is like the word sacred is is kind of. Uh, just a very tricky word in itself, but uh, but again, you know, like why is it called sacred? It's called sacred in terms of its consistency and uh, in terms of its reference to like origin, uh, if, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, and like sacred is just kind of like our best word that we have to sort of point to this idea that like this comes from the zero point field, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, guys, there's a lot of stuff we can get into. We can get into, like, the seed of life and the flower of life. We can talk a little bit more about that. We can talk about more examples of where sacred geometry shows up uh, within our nature. Um, you know, I love the idea that even, like, as single cells, we become, we begin as, like, one cell dividing into two to four to eight, and we can see the sequence unfold there. We'll get more into that later, but that's just, like, a simple, easy example to 
point to people uh, for to for to point for people so that they can sort of see the sacred geometry for themselves. Because I do think a topic like sacred geometry is one of the most potent topics to be able to help bridge um, uh, like conscious ideas with mainstream culture because it's accessible. So a lot of people, uh, myself included, and a lot of people who are beginning to expand their consciousness to new ideas are going to do it through the topic of sacred geometry. So like, how can we become ambassadors? And that's really what the point of this class is to practice. How do we become more like, you know, embodied stewards of this knowledge? How do we develop our own habits to be able to continue these conversations beyond this class. You know, this goes for everybody listening so that you can have a conversation with somebody the next day about sacred geometry and they might have no idea what it is. They might never have heard of it and you can be like, oh, well, you know, like, again, have you ever noticed that spiral on your fingertips is the same spiral of a galaxy? Like, have you looked at the branches and realized that they're the same patterns as above, so below? So again, you know, you can sort of formulate your own uh, methods of discussion, but I do feel that it's just like such a great topic for all of us as light workers, as warriors, light warriors, you know, as like ca like captains of consciousness to be able to help like spread this further. Captains of consciousness. I thought you guys would like that one. Um, let's see, Kyle's smiling. <laughs> okay. So um, we'll pass it over to uh, whoever would like to go next. And, and I did just want to recognize, um, I know uh, Jenna, who is in the class here, um, she, hey Jenna, uh, she is, is sort of playing the role of someone who, as we just mentioned, is fairly new to the topic of sacred geometry. So I just wanted to say, Jenna, at any point, if you have any questions, please feel free to jump in with any questions. And if you want to do that now, then please feel free. So Jenna, go ahead. Um. Actually, can I let one more person go? Because I've been taking notes sure. on everything that everyone's been saying and, and formulating my own uh, position on different things. So I will come back to that in like two seconds. Just give me one more person's Perfect. input, and then I will go. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Thanks, Jenna. Hey, well, uh, Brendan, you were talking about the definition of sacred geometry and like what it, you know, what sacred means. Right. Well, if go you go look at the etymology of sacred, it points you to holy. But if you go and holy people are immediately, that's where, where people get thrown off with the yeah. word sacred is, you know, it means religious or godly or saintly or devout, God-fearing, you know, stuff like that. But um, if you trace holy to down its real etymology from Old English to Dutch to German, all it means is whole. And whole can mean, you know, from beginning to end, from start to finish, from whole circle. So sacred, holy, whole. So just whole as a whole. So mm -hmm. I guess you can look at secret geometry as it as it's all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, um, without getting too far into what we're doing, like when we're talking about sacred geometry, we have to talk about like the where sacred geometry geometry begins, and it begins um, with a single point. It begins with a single dot that is in itself whole, and then like from there, you can sort of create like this like compass that creates like the circle. Um, so I mean, it's the the wholeness. Yeah, like whole, the idea of wholeness. Uh, is an encompassing theme that that is throughout sacred geometry. So in that sense, like it actually does um, make sense as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Jenna, did you want to jump in? Okay, I would like to jump in just for a second because uh, I've listened to um, what Kyle and Indigo and uh, everybody has been saying so far, and. Me as a person, and you'll understand this, like I've been working with Michael a little bit and, and trying to do my own chats as far as 
me personally, I, I come across from the psychological aspect of things and the aspect of people and how society reacts to these spiritual elements as someone who was raised in a very Christian lifestyle and a very like modern day, exactly that white picket fence, completely blinded to everything kind of person. And so I come at everything that you guys are saying with that kind of mentality and very open-minded about it so that I can interpret it in those senses. And um, in general, uh, for me, sacred geometry, as of what I've heard from you guys, is something that is something I've noticed in my entire life, something that I've seen, something that you can see in nature, but also something that you can see in people and our interactions with people. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines sacred as connected with God or dedicated to religious purpose and so deserving uh, of veneration, basically embodying the, lies or doc doc the laws or doctrines of religion, which if you think about it, religion was created by man um, in order to fill something that is a whole, something that is holy, in order to answer those questions that we have about the spiritual, about what we feel inside of ourselves with the spiritual geometry. Also, um, the Webster's Dictionary definition of geometry is a branch of mathematics that deals with points, lines, angles, surfaces, and solids. Um, the measurement of properties and relationships of points, lines, angles, and surfaces. So basically taking a look at everything from different angles, the, the Fibonacci spiral that you guys were talking about, things like that, and how it's actually shown to be a physical map and an angle and a line that actually aligns everything spiritually. Um, those things can be found in nature, they can be found physically, they can also be found mentally. They're processes that in my mind I have found to happen with us psychologically as we interact with other people, as we interact with ourselves and try to grow mentally within ourselves. It's all cyclical. It happens in circles. Sometimes it happens in triangles and different points where we fight with one point of change to another point of change and keep going around into a triangle so it comes back around. Um, and I said all that very quickly, but in general that is what I have noticed in my studies, in my own personal life without having gone into a lot of the science that goes into these things. Word, word. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think um, what you said there is really interesting because I think a lot of people will just like observe sacred geometry but not even be calling it sacred geometry throughout their throughout their entire life so um, yeah like once you sort of realize that there's like a box to, or, or a category or an umbrella to sort of start connecting all these dots under it, it begins to just like help help reveal more of the bigger picture uh, in, in some way or another um, and also, um, go ahead Jenna yep. no and also as we uh, work to build ourselves and enlighten ourselves and try to be spiritually those people that, that bring spiritual enlightenment to others, you have to realize that those interactions we have with other people, they challenge ourselves and they challenge those people that we're bringing them to and that becomes a cyclical kind of thing that, that happens in circles and it might be something negative or positive depending on the person you're interacting with but it can actually be traced psychologically to physical emotions that also happen to happen in circles. I know I'm horrible with, with the science of it, but yeah. 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 You, again, going back to the observable like patterns of like spirals within social habits as, as well. Um, definitely, definitely. So yeah, like circles circles and spirals are one and the same. Um, we'll talk more about that later because I mean like we, we think about like things going in circles, but like 
when we're talking about things, it's never like always staying on one plane. So it's always sort of going up um, in, in or, or going down or going out uh, in various directions. Uh, so, I mean, circles and spirals are one and the same. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of wrapping my head around some ideas as I'm sort of ver practice verbalizing them out loud. Uh, okay, so uh, Jenna, thanks again. And uh, honestly, if you have any other questions, please feel free to ask. And for people who are listening to this live in the through the website, please feel free to jump in the live chat as well. We can uh, take your questions through there. And of course, if you do want to join the broadcast, you want to join the class, please feel free to do that. And of course, if you're listening to this in the future, we're inviting you to be able to join in for future broadcasts and even just leave any your comments on the uh, show episode. So uh, we'll keep jumping around and uh, as we keep doing this and get some more ideas as to what Sager Geometry is and what it teaches us a little bit about, um, who would like to jump in to go next? Michael, we'll let you do that. So go ahead, Michael. Okay, so I wanted to share something. This is just something that uh, I saw in a movie like years ago. It was called When, uh, I forget it was, when Larry met Chuck, or when Chuck met Larry, something like that. But it was an Asian guy, and these two guys are are uh, getting married. And basically, what it, the uh, the Asian guy is saying, he was like, these are the rings. It's a symbol of eternity. There's no beginning. There's no end. It's like a circle. It's not like a triangle. Triangle have corners. Like a circle, and um, you know they were like, yeah, you know, we get that. We're familiar with shapes and stuff. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, at a very basic level, geometry or sacred geometry has to deal with uh, shapes at a very, uh, I guess, if you want to say, rudimentary level. Now, Jen already took the definition that I was going to give, but I just want to expound on it just a little bit. When it says geometry or geometry uh, says from the Greek. It says earth and uh, myrian or measure. So the, the two words, you know, the Greek words earth and measurement, but basically it's a relationship of points, lines, planes, and solids. And then of course we know um, Plato talked about, you know, everything's made up of these, I think it was like five solids or something like that, uh, platonic solids. Um, but, you know, when we look at, at um, geometry or, or geometry, it's, it's really interesting. Um, my grandfather, he was in, involved in, uh, in a fraternal organization called the... Uh, the Freemasons and in Freemasonry, um, geometry is a is a big a big thing. Importantly, it, even supposedly the well, you have the square and the compass, but the the G, you know, it could we would usually think it means grand architect or something like that, but it could also mean uh, geometry. And um, there's all these different codes that we would say, like, you know, uh, you know, stands on the square of virtue, or um, there's a lot of 
different things like building. It's all about uh, a mason is basically, you know, a builder. And you need to know how to measure things to, to be able to build things, uh, basically. But anyways, also I wanted to say, uh, as far as we look at um, the guy Charles Darwin, um, it's very interesting because a lot of people may have got the idea that, um, you know, he didn't believe in anything or he just believed in the capabilities of animals. Uh, and of course that was true, but if you read his works and you really read his, his, uh, perspective on things, he believed that, um, there was a first cause, whatever you want to call it, he called it a first cause. And this was a guy that, you know, he wasn't there for like, you know, uh, genetics and certain things. So he certainly didn't have all the information, um, but he believed that there was a first cause. And even as much as, you know, he felt disappointed and and kind of giving up faith in a certain sense, he could not doubt this magnificence of uh, universe, I guess, you know, uh, or, you know, when you look at uh, observing different animals and certain things and seeing these different patterns, all these different patterns, whether they're in leaves and pine cones and animals and uh, certain things. And uh, he marveled at this idea or this, you know, this theory of evolution. But the interesting thing is Charles Darwin, even though many people may think that he may have been, you know, what people would like to call an atheist. He actually described himself himself as an ardent theist, and that there was some type of magnificence, some type of grand design behind things, you know, in nature. And so when I think of sacred uh, our sacred geometry or just geometry in general that is what I think of as that first cause or that uh, intelligent design patterns in nature if you will that's what I think of. so yeah yeah Mike I totally I get that uh, what I wanted to add on to that was I totally understand what you're saying there about the whole, um, you know, Darwin wasn't just a atheist looking around, you know, being all rigidly skeptical about his work and trying to establish that evolution was the 100% right thing. Uh, even to this day, I forget what the phenomenon is called, but it's the reason that uh, the theory of evolution isn't provable and that science is wrong or it doesn't have the complete story. Um, and a lot of people are, this is where scientism comes from, where people accept the facts that are coming out of science, they accept that it's true, whether or not they've actually looked into it or around it. And as for Darwin uh, recognizing that there was some kind of faithful, intelligent uh, design or some starting point of all this, like how sacred geometry, uh, Brendan said, is just starts with a point and then the yeah. next point and the next point. Um, people, a lot of, like David Icke or uh, 
even Mark Passio, they're just they're researchers. And they they advocate, not not really much advocate, but just tell people to think of it in a way as both. There is creationism and evolutionism. There is a biological, gene, genealogical evolutional process happening, and it's provable to an, to an, to an event. But when you get onto the really far right of the science, then it starts to get to get hazy because they're ignoring the um, the grounded, intelligent design that there is, and they're trying to prove it with, oh, it's just an it's just a scientific accident, right? You know. Right, right, right. It, if you're a sane human being that you can't accept that you have to know that there's creationism and evolutionism going on or it's not even the both it's neither and it's something that we haven't yet discovered but for so far it's a mixture of the two there was a there's a creative intelligent force in the universe and uh, that creative intelligent force in the universe has allowed not allowed but uh, to its own will has sprung evolutionary ability. Yeah, I mean, evolution is yeah. a fact, but not ev the whole right. evolutionary theory is not a fact. Right. And I'm, just, I'm really glad you touched upon that because it does uh, resonate with the whole uh, talk here about sacred geometry. Oh, well, yeah, thanks. I mean, I, um, I think it's important, not that I haven't heard of it. But I like to, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I think, like, I like to bring, I like to bring people and talk about people that it's just not common that you don't really hear about. And I think that many people may not understand that Charles Darwin was not just this, he, I mean, he wasn't just a jerk, you know, like just trying to piss off, you know, religious people and like that. Like, it's like, no, he's like, I want to understand how this works, but I'm so confused because I'm so in my head, but I want to understand it. He was very confused. I I will for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. He was, but it was during that time, and I think even his girlfriend, or whoever it was, was really religious and and kind of helped him, you know, open his mind a little bit to certain things. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he saw seances, he saw all kinds of things. Whether he believed in it or not, I don't know. But mm -hmm. I think, as far as in the, in a in the metaphysical realm and certain things, I think he's somebody that deserves to, um, you know, be looked into and and given respect for kind of certain contributions that he made. Kind of thing, so. Yeah, he definitely needs to be uh, further looked into because. Charles Darwin was pretty high up there with the, you know, the social engineers and the eugenicists and the occultists of, I mean, who knows how many fraternal orders. Uh, if you look at the people he's partnered with or who funded him or who went with him or who just recognized him. Um, but what people have to know is Darwin was just a researcher. He was just trying to figure something out. He, he, he came up with it, basically, although you could probably find evidence of evolution being presented earlier, but who knows what happened to it, right? Right, right. Uh, library, library of Alexandria effect, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, what was ha what has happened with the theory of evolution is rather than uh, furthering it along and trying to prove it and maybe meeting right in the middle with creationists, and and then also at the same time non non violently or non ritualically being able to 
converge uh, scientific people and uh, really hardcore, let's say, Christian Catholic uh, creationists onto this point, like, oh, it's it's something better. It's something that fits the picture a lot better than what we've all come to believe. And it's those existential researchers after Darwin that took his theory and started uh, through social engineering making it a fact. And a lot of people believe in it. Like, they, they'll state it as fact, and they'll use it in conversation and research and articles as fact, but in reality, it is not 100% fact, and people have to know to bridge that gap and understand it in a bigger, better way. Well, I was going to mm-hmm. say, as far as intelligent design goes, he said that the hard thing was is because he observed this wasp, okay? Like, you know, people say, you know, like, we love nature, and we want to get back and get in tune with nature. But he observed this wasp, and I forgot, it was called like the Ichunumon wasp or something like that. It's a wasp that basically lays its eggs in a caterpillar so that like the babies of the wasp will like eat the caterpillar. And he said that's the reason why it's like, it's kind of hard to think, why would such a loving creator or whatever create something like that, you know, to, yeah, you know, give something like that. So, yeah, circle yeah. of life, circle of death. To become uh, innate, innate and one with nature, you have to understand that nature isn't this green trees, elated happiness. It's nature, your nature, everything around you is nature, and nature, not human nature. That's not good or bad. That's it's uh, willing to be decided by. Uh, ethics raising and environment but nature as it goes is it, it encompasses all things good bad yeah. uh, messed up immoral it's the natural cycle and that's not to get all you know uh, rigid and uh, cynical about it that's that's what happens to people they get really far they're cynical rather than looking at nature's you know death is just a pathway of rebirth like it, it, everything circle life circle of death Mm-hmm. Combine them, you get that vesica Pisces, the same two circles, and boom, there's where your savior geometry branches off. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah well, I was going to say, even, um, you know, like when we're talking about sacred geometry, like we're looking at the yin-yang uh, as a, another example of sort of just like something that we see related to sacred geometry is like the idea of like you have the black and the white, yet they're still inside the same circle. So, I mean, it is this idea of just like two things within one wholeness, uh, as always. Um, yeah, guys, I just want to be able to root things back to um, some of the core topics uh, related to sacred geometry here. Um, just, yeah, and, and it is interesting, like you said, just like how like sacred geometry has been studied and has been coming up through like all, you know, through Darwin studies, through Freemasonry, through like ancient esoteric schools. Like it is something that we always see over and over and over and over and over again because it's something that like we as consciousness are recognizing as ourselves. And, and I think that's like why everyone can sort of have those aha moments without needing to be taught by uh, an ancient esoteric school in, in any way. Um, sorry, I, I just want to take a moment here to just actually go over earlier in the earlier in the week uh, on a, uh, I put up a question just asking other people in the community what is sacred geometry and what does it teach us about reality? So literally just asking the same question but I just want to take a moment here because there's actually some really good answers that, that some people uh, shared here. And then again, I just want to um, share a, a quick video with you guys and then we'll go around and get some uh, more sort of 
basic uh, just ideas from people as well. Um, there's so much to talk about on this topic, guys. And and honestly, like if this is a five-hour broadcast, and so be it. Like I'm 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 doing this for like I'm committed to the endurance. So whoever's here with me by 2 a.m., then bonus points for you. So. Um, so again, the question that we asked people just through Facebook, what is sacred geometry and what does it teach us about reality? Here's some of the answers, and these are really good answers. So uh, Brandy said, nature's expression of spirit, shapes, spirals, and more, I am sure. It teaches us divine order and organization. We have the sacred geometric patterns in our body, in our body fields. We are connected to the microcosm, macrocosm. The higher the vibrational frequency and harmony with nature, uh, body-soul fusion, the easier it is to heal, integrate, and experience true communion. Um, so again, you know, like she's getting into the idea that like sacred geometry is a lot to do with vibrational frequencies, and like as vibrational frequencies shift, the actual presentation of geometry changes. And then you know, like when you have certain geometry that's in alignment with other geometry, then perhaps that allows like certain communication to take place, which otherwise wouldn't necessarily be able to take place. So, I mean, does sacred geometry, what we refer to as sacred geometry, do consistent shapes and proportions become almost like a highway for information? And when it's in alignment, it allows like certain information to come through uh, with more flow. Like that's kind of like a theoretical idea that we can get into more later. And again, how like sacred geometry or like relates to like concepts of like ascension or whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, I'm just going to read a few of them here and there's a few more and, and Roman actually has one in here as well. Uh, Allison says, there is a bigger picture, perspective, and purpose of all things. Just like the angels uh, angles, sorry, just like the angles and shapes of sacred geometry, all points and perspectives contribute to the creation of the whole. So yeah, I like that. So again, you know, like it's just like all of these like small things make up a much bigger thing and they're all connected. Aaron says, it is the geometric representation of recurring patterns in nature. It reminds us of our universal unity. So that is like pretty much what we've already said before, but that's a good layman's uh, reiteration. So I mean, you know, again, like if that's something you're trying to explain to someone else or your parents, uh, that's a good way of putting it. It is a geometric representation of recurring patterns in nature. It reminds us of our universal unity. So the fact that these patterns appear on all scales of nature reminds us that we are not separate from nature, but rather we are nature. Thomas says, shapes are the construct of the universe. So again, you know, sacred geometry is the building blocks. Roman, he says, I like to think of it as a physical interpretations of the constructs of reality, like numbers, how they are a way to count or calculate sacred, sacred and just sacred geometry is how the ancients were able to physically depict the intelligent the intelligent creation of the universe. Um, definitely, and again, you know, like that's something where uh, personally I'm really interested in the idea of when you look at, as Roman was alluding to earlier, ancient monolithic structures and ancient societies and how they build things. It seems as if they intuitively built them through the expression of sacred geometry, and and I wonder, you know, like again, is that something because like was their awareness of sacred geometry there because they literally, you know, it's not like they had to study sacred geometry, like they were sacred geometry, like it was a part of their thought process, and therefore when they build pyramids and when they build temples and when they build their cities, they would like naturally do it 
as sacred geometry sort of thing. So, I mean, in the same way, like, the sacred geometry folds throughout, like, the branches of the tree and the patterns and the flowers and everything like that. It folds through the way that we build cities and we build our societies. And again, like, that's what you can see, obviously, when you zoom out and you look at a city and people are just like, wow, you know, like, that looks like a brain or it looks like a neural network when you see the roads and you see, like, the cars driving by. So, again, microcosm, macrocosm. Whether or not we're intentionally trying to do it, it seems that sub subtensionally, if that's a word, subconsciously or ultra-consciously, sacred geometry is always coming through our actions and always coming through us. Is, is there any way to to get around sacred geometry? Is it always going to be there, it seems? Um, I'm just going to read two more here. Uh, Marky says, it, it is the way of the force, and it shows us the perfect order nature follows in being one with the force, in simple words. So, obviously, relation to Star Wars there, and again, you know, the forces are interconnectedness to everything. And Brandon says, proof of intelligent design. The Masons refer to said designer as the grand geometric, geo, geo, geometrician. Uh, that's kind of maybe spelt it wrong. Um, the Greeks called it the demiurge. It, it if one hasn't realized the proof of this designer through sacred geometry, they haven't looked hard enough through the designer. Though the designer is not so much a personage, rather pure mind itself interacting with pure en energy, Shiva Shakti. The world is the reaction, the childbirth between two in the in two in their union. So yeah, like I like that, right? Like it's it's intelligent, but again, you know, does intelligent mean it has to be a person? Like intelligence is just like it's consciousness, you know, like consciousness is not like this byproduct of the brain, like consciousness is like this root aspect of like permeating intelligence throughout all fields, throughout like all branches, throughout all spaces. Um, then I'll just read this last one here. Kyle says, energetic movement, frequency, gateways of opportunity. So again, you know, Kyle was even referring to like the, the planetary alignments that he was talking about earlier and how like those planetary aspects, the planetary bodies actually have their own sound vibrations, their own vibrations, and then like when those interact with each other, they actually sort of create new patterns which in themselves can, as I said, you know, like when certain patterns align, does it create like a highway for energy to be able to move along with more ease? That's kind of something that we can get into and is that why, you know, certain astrological dates are more synchronistically potent? Is that why the full moon is more synchronistically potent? It's because sacred geometry is always there, but when when it's in those alignments, like that cable is like connected, the signal is like more in tune. So again, how do we tune ourselves and how do we like align our own sacred geometry, so to speak? Um, so I'm just going to show you guys a quick video, uh, real quick, and um, we'll continue the conversation. And Jenna's back in the conversation. So again, uh, if there are any questions, please feel free to ask those. So I'm just I'm gonna put this over on screen share, and um, some of you guys have probably seen this before. This is actually a graphic that I made myself back in um, like 2008, give or take. And uh, so this is actually just kind of like uh, how sacred geometry builds itself from a single point. So I'm just gonna play this, and for the people who are listening in the audio, it starts as a single point, and then from there, it's like 
the four directions, which turn into the eight directions of like up, down, left, right, back, forward. And then from there, you build the circle around it. And then from that circle, it actually grows out into uh, essentially like the flower of life and Metatron's cube. And then from there, um, you get into this idea of it being able to, the Metatron's cube or the Star of David being able to fit into itself uh, infinitely. So that, that, I mean, I know it's choppy for you guys on your end, but you can still sort of see. So, I mean, again, this idea of, like, that part right there, if I can pause it right there, um, when you see, like, the Star of David, like, inside of itself, like, that for me is such an important thing because that is, like, such a simple representation of infinity. Uh, whereas infinity for me back in the day, I was just like, how the hell do I wrap my mind around this? How can something keep going? It's just like, oh, yeah, because it's shapes within shapes within shapes. The Star of David, you know, the six-pointed star, you can fit it inside of itself because it's the hexagram, and you can fit that inside of itself, inside of itself, inside of itself. So that's, again, another easy recognizable example of why the universe doesn't have to create new patterns at new levels. It literally can replicate the same patterns over and over and over and over again. That's where you get the whole idea of microcosm, macrocosm, as above, so below. And I'm just going to show you guys um, just the cymatics example and then anybody else um, just feel free to jump in right after this. Um, sorry, Jenna, if you can just mute your microphone just for one second and then jump in. Um, so this is just the... Uh, you guys have probably seen this, so this is just like a really important thing that just like helps us connect the dots before we even move forward. So cymatics is the study of sound vibrations and how they create different patterns. So right now we're watching a video, and if you guys just YouTube cymatics, cymatic examples, you'll find this on YouTube. This is an old video, but it's basically a speaker board that has a frequency going through it. I know you guys can't hear it, but it's going up in tonation. And basically, they're pouring salt on the table. And through this, as the frequency changes, the shapes change. So that, to me, is like such a beautiful thing to be aware of, to be able to understand that sound actually carries shape. And that is why we see the different shapes throughout nature. That is why we see like all these different flowers yet each of them are unique. It's because like each of them are sort of holders of a specific pattern, of a specific sound frequency. And so what's really interesting with this is that at some frequencies, you almost acknowledge like a level of collective intelligence to the pattern design. At some points you see when it's sort of like between one shape and another, it kind of acts as if it's undecided. Like right here, it's sort of undecided and then it suddenly decides on a shape and it sort of like locks into it. And so, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's really, really, really fascinating and just like the complexity of it just continues to grow. And again, this is the same... What, what what the practical aspect to this is when we think of things like snowflakes and again, you know, things like flowers and things like simple patterns that we see uh, all throughout lots of different, um, even just like animal patterns and things like that. So, I mean, you know, like you, you have this basic concept of just like a simple sound pattern uh, or a simple idea of a sound pattern being able to create a unique geometric shape. Um, so again, you know, physical sacred geometry and sound are one and the same, and we'll explore more about that because, I, I, again, it's still something, even as much as I understand it, I'm still wrapping my head around it because it is just, like, such a beautifully fantastic thing. But, yeah, sound 
create shapes. Like vibration creates form. Like that is like going back to even, you know, like sort of like hermetic principles when, when we're talking about, you know, like you can, and this is where it gets into the ancient philosophies of why mantras are important. And certain mantras carry a certain vibrational frequency that can actually sort of like recalibrate the structure of one's body. So that's when you get into your ohms and your mantras and your, you know, your raws and all, all of the different vowel tonations, all the different frequencies and how those actually have a reason for using them. Um, and then that's where you get into like the 432 hertz and all these frequencies, solfeggio harmonics, and then you get into the rainbow spectrum, you get into light, and again, you realize that like sacred geometry and everything's connected, right? So I mean, you start off with sacred geometry, you get into sound, you get into harmonics, you get into colors, and you start realizing how it's all connected and it's all part of this like collective gradient of vibrations. And again, they spiral, they spiral up, it never really ends, it's always just like moving through harmonics and different levels. Um, I was going to say Jenna may have a question, but Kyle, you got your microphone open, so go ahead and uh, jump in, and then we'll still go around. I know there's a couple other people. Um, yeah, okay, Kyle, go for it. Uh, or Okay, um, Jenna, did you want to ask your question? Kyle's just asking if you want to jump in. If so, go ahead. Jenna's... Okay, so Kyle, go ahead. All right. Or, or, or wait. Or, wait, no, Jenna, did you want to... No, it just takes a minute. But um, oh, I see. Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna say to go back to before you were talking about snowflakes and these sound waves and how that affects um, these different shapes and things like that. Uh, for people out there who don't really have ever studied Metatron's cube, we understand what you're talking about with the significance and how it's linking to all these things. But what is the significance of Metatron's cube in general, and where can people find information on that? Right, right. So Metatron's cube is something that I definitely will say I'm not an expert on. What I do understand about it is that it is an example of sort of various sacred geometrical shapes within one pattern. So Metatron's cube isn't really so much like a specific shape that you see throughout nature. It's more of like an artistic blueprint of various sacred geometrical forms that you find throughout nature. And... Um, Metatron's cube. So again, you know, Metatron, which is important to recognize, Metatron is the angel who is known as the voice of God. So I mean, right in there, you get this idea of sound correlation. And even, you know, you go back to like the origins of the Bible and you said like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know an exact quote, but it's just like first there was the word or something like that. You know, it's like first there was sound. There was sound vibration, right? So it's like there's this yes. underlying pattern of, of, we refer to it as sound. We refer to it as sound, but you know, like is it something more complex than that or is it just, you know, that's kind of our <laughs> language to put on it. Um, so uh, go, go ahead. When you think of certain musicians and certain artists that work with music and try to actually promote things that are more spiritual, um, one thing that comes to mind, especially with that, that soundboard video that you were looking at, if anybody here ever listens to Tool, um, mm. one of the things that I found very interesting about yes, Tool is that when, when they're on tour, uh, when they actually play live, they are projecting these mandalas and these different yeah. shapes as they're singing them and as it goes with the rhythm to the music. So it's one of the things where, A, I would consider that Maynard probably is very well-versed in these things, but just in general, it's interesting to find an artist that actually incorporates the shapes of their sounds into the sounds that they're making, and it does become very rhythmic yeah. and cyclical and, and, and builds onto the message that they're bringing out with the music, and that's all I yeah. want to say. 
Yeah, yeah tool, tool for me is definitely a lot more than a band. Tool for me is, I think they named it Tool for a reason. They're yeah. just trying to convey a message. They named it Tool to make a play on the male genitalia, but still. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. To me, it's like something different, man. For me, it's like, you know, like that might have been the reason, but they didn't realize. Oh, I think, um, yeah, there's a huge conversation that we could get in with into a tool. Um, and I do just have, like, the image of Metatron's Cube just up on the video right now for people to see. But um, Maynard, the drummer in Tool, his family, like, his father is from the Freemasons. So, I mean, like, that, that is, like, you're right. Like, they are directly bringing... Um, or sorry, not Maynard. Um, shit, why do I forget his name now? Like the drummer, though. Um, I totally know it. I just sort of forget it. But um, yeah, somebody somebody wrote a search on the drums. Wow, I surprised I can't remember that. Um, but anyways, so uh, yeah, I actually made a video on my YouTube channel um, back in the day about my experience going to a concert to see Tool. And you're right, like at their concerts, they actually do show a lot of sacred geometry within their sets. And that is, again, this idea that I think is very interesting is that sacred geometry, you know, symbols, symbols in themselves, symbols convey information, and symbols are the language of the universe, and this is where we get into the ideas of, like, why tarot is so effective, and why, you know, like, the symbol of an eye is something that resonates with us so deeply, without even having to be told what it means, and any symbol, really, um, but w symbols carry messages, and they carry sort of, like, information, cosmic information, whether or not we're always super aware of it, but it is something that simply by seeing a symbol, you're actually like downloading the information associated with it. Um, and that's why certain sacred geometrical patterns are actually better carriers for information, so to speak. So, I mean, we get into this idea of, like, of, of reality being very holographic, and, and we get into the idea of like seeing a symbol actually being something that, that carries with it something that can impact and, and, and bring to the surface um, latent ideas within a person's subconscious, which again, in, in terms of sacred geometry, like you're literally showing, when you see the flower of life, and when you see Metatron's cube, you're recognizing it because it's you. Like you're seeing yourself, and, and it might take a while to sort of wrap your head around that, but like, you know, you're, you see the flower of life, and you're just like, why does that look so familiar? And it's just like, oh yeah, like that's like a baby picture of me, so to speak, you know, like that's like the first picture of you. Um, I actually do just want to do a quick screen share here, because um, I know, okay, going to, back to the Metatron's Cube, uh, okay, I'll just say this, and then again, you know, I just want to um, invite anybody else to just jump in on this. Going back to the Metatron's Cube, so again, you know, if people aren't familiar with it, just Google it. Metatron's Cube, I want to say, like, maybe Da Vinci started using it first. I'm not exactly sure who first coined the term Metatron's Cube. I'm sure there's an actual answer for that. But what's interesting with the Metatron's Cube is that you have the straight lines and you have the curved lines. So a lot of people will correlate between, like, the masculine and the feminine. And that's where you get into, like, the sacred geometry aspects of, like, you can look at the sacred geometry of circles and then you look at the sacred geometry of straight lines. And it's kind of both building upon each other. So, so you know, curved lines are sort of the idea of the feminine energy. Uh, sort of that intuitive creative flow. Straight lines are the male energy, this direct, like, sort of intentional, like, thing from one, from A to B, sort of.
sort of thing. Um, so I mean, within Metatron's cube, you have both of those. And so I mean, again, within Metatron's cube, you have the seed of life, which is um, you know the the various circles, not the flower of life, uh, the various circles, sort of creating again, you know, on the points of the hexagram, and also creating another hexagram within it. So I mean, within Metatron's cube, it's showing us infinity. It's showing us the idea of proportions fitting inside of each other over and over and over again. Um, and now I just want to pull up because this is like this is a video that I made about my uh, experience going to a Tool concert, and I, I called it Tool and Concert in Awakening and Consciousness. And again, people can find this. I'll put the. I can put this into the show notes, but people can find it through my YouTube at Skull Babylon. But again, like within this still frame, you can actually see on the jumbotron screen tool um, them actually using like the seven-pointed geometric star within their presentation, just as like one of the examples, right? So I mean, it's just like that. That in itself, you know, it's not it's not an accident. And then you get into this idea of like there's them using the eye, and, and obviously a lot of their art is incorporating. Uh, Alex Gray material, and obviously Alex Gray material gets into this like sort of trans-dimensional perspective of reality, which again, you know, within this topic, we can connect the dots between um, sacred geometry and psychedelic experiences. Because when people talk about psychedelic experiences, they talk about experiences with mushrooms, they talk about experiences with DMT, and I've had these experiences, so I can share my own experience of them. You literally see like the code of the matrix before your eyes. You literally see what I refer to as, you know, sacred geometry and infinite light infinitely unfolding upon itself. Like you see this. And and it's kind of like this idea that, you know, it's always there. It's always there within our reality. But because we have the filters, um, it, it's not always apparent. And once we pull back the filters, it becomes incredibly obvious. So it just goes back into this idea that the physical aspects of sacred geometry that we see commonly within nature are merely what we see on the surface, but they are not the be-all, end-all. Like they, the the origins of them begin like from like this spiritual dimension, which still uh, ascribes to the concepts of sacred geometry. And and I'll just say this because this is, was really interesting. And um, again, you know, I talked about this. Uh, uh, within the video that I did for my recent experience working with five grams of sacred mushrooms, which is hidden on my YouTube channel, but it's available through my Patreon, uh, and people can check that out. But patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton, I'll mention more about that later, but the links are always through the website. Um, but what I noticed, and this was really interesting, is that when I was on my experience with five gram psychedelic mushrooms, is that when I did open-eyed gazing, like like still still eye gazing. I, I meditated on a single flower, and when I did this, I would actually see like the pine cone spiral. So holding up the pine cone here, I actually see this pattern emerge, but from like a 3D level. So like imagine like the middle of the pine cone was where I was looking at the flower, and then so like uh, at first there was nothing, and then like suddenly this pattern like emerges within my own perception, and it's like there, and it's like breathing, and it's like on the surface, and it's actually visible, and it's actually like always there. Is kind of this this idea. Um, so again, you know, like sacred geometry, we see it within nature, but that is just like the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. And we, we begin to realize that sacred geometry is like what we refer to as the physical aspects is just like the extension of a branch which roots back through like various multiple layers of dimension, uh, including sound and including light and including the hyperdelic aspects that aren't always apparent to us. 
Um, so that's just all I, I want to say for now. I know, again, there's lots more stuff, but I just want to keep this moving along and, and allow you guys to jump in. Um, and if Jenna had any other questions, please uh, feel free or wherever, whatever you guys want to do to just sort of direct this, by all means. Um, One so, thing I would just... Oh, go oh, ahead, Michael. Or that's Indigo. Jack. Yeah, so for me, like, man, I was feeling the vibes that you were putting down, and I, I really feel like this psychedelic experience is very important. It, it's, it, it does something. It shows something. It, it, like, it really, it really opens up, like, a new channel within us. <clears throat> I'm not trying to promote any kind of drug use at all because every single thing we can do through these different um, gatekeepers of psychedelics or whatever it is can be found within through meditation. But to have these gateways right around us that anybody – like I went for a jog a few months ago and I saw all these mimosa trees. And then I seen my buddy Zachariah posting about how mimosa trees can, you can take the bark or the roots and you can get like DMT from it. I'm just like, oh my god, I see nature changing, the patterns of the trees growing, to facilitate a future. Like it's so when you get that connected with what's really going on and the patterns of how everything is created. Oh man, it's like. It's something we have to do on our own, though. It's not something anybody's going to give us, you know? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and um, again, you know, like, you're right. Like, with the, the psychedelic experience, like, honestly, like, I could talk about that a lot because we, it is an important topic, um, but just sort of boiling it down with the psychedelic experiences, it's showing you a place. It is showing you something that can be reached. And sort of the message that I get out of it and that I encourage people to think about is that, you know, the objective is to, like, know that it's there and to know that you can still get there without the psychedelics. And, and that's kind of, like, the it, it show, like that's the thing. It's just, like, it's just like holy shit, like, I can see reality from this perspective, and then it's just, like, how do I get back there? That's the question. And that's, a lot of people sort of have trouble uh, answering that question, but one of the direct answers as to how you can sort of reveal these underlying psychedelic um, perceptions is through open-eyed meditation. And, and this is something that, you know, people can experience naturally. Like, I can explain more about this later as we go, but, again, you know, like, sit in a field, find something to put your gaze on, maybe it's a flower, and relax your vision and try not to blink and just allow your eyes to like softly be there and you'll begin to notice reality will shift. And as you do this, you'll begin to notice the veil will begin to peel back and sacred geometrical patterns will begin to arise. Now it may be something that literally has to take practice and it may be something that will just like not happen right away, but it is possible. And, and I'm saying this, like, through my own experiences. I'm saying this, like, and this is and this is something, again, you know, like, how do we get into these psychedelic experiences without psychedelics? Like, yeah, like, open-eyed meditation and eye-gazing and, I guess, sun-gazing would be a way. Um, those are, like, some of the, some of the simple ways um, that I'm aware of that I'm, I'm sure there are probably more as well. But, yeah, I, you know, I encourage people to try that. Jenna, go ahead. Um. Me personally, as you're talking about this and, experience, and explaining what it is that the end goal is with that open-eyed meditation, 
personally, I myself find that at work, when I'm sitting there staring at a computer screen, and it just kind of like all of the words sort of become to a point where I'm not even looking or, or concentrating on any of that information. I'm just staring at nothing. And um, I've actually, until tonight, I've never, I just thought it was me kind of just going uh, nuts. But it's true. Like, there's different shapes that come into mind and different things that come up with that. And I guess that is what you're talking about right now. Um, but in general, it's just one of those things where I actually... When I'm at work, I have to fight against it because I'm supposed to be working. So I never actually delve into what those things are trying to show to me or what kind of energy they're trying to bring to my life. Um, and I also want to just touch base on one of the things you were talking about as far as um, different... <sighs> yeah, it's gone. Sorry. Keep going. Gone. <laughs> it's all good. Brendan, you're the you're the moderator here, bro. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Come on. What? Yes. Sorry, I have my mic muted. <laughs> Go ahead, man. You're good. You're good. We got you. Yeah, we're we're okay now. Were things choppy there? Because if so, it was just because my yeah. Are we okay? Yeah. Jenny, we're okay. Jenny, I, ju I just uh, no. I just had um. I had actually had thoughts that I was about to say, and then when you brought up that fact of open-eyed meditation. And it just made me realize that I'd been doing that, like not because I'm I have hard times trying to meditate in general, but I'm a daydreamer, so I'll sit there and my mind will wander. And at work, I've just noticed that a lot of times in my daily life, because I'm a, I'm a person that is not always focused on all of these spiritual aspects. So from a layman's term, in my daily life, as I'm sitting there, I I think I physically actually meditate on these things and just don't see any significance in them, which I think a lot of people will and will lose any kind of significance that the universe is trying to tell them through these meditations that they're literally just zoning out to. But physically, I, I see geometric shapes and things. I just figure it being me zoning out and then it's my mind trying to wake me up. But um, that's how I always have always seen it. Now, when you talk about different uh, wavelengths with these geometric shapes in general, one thing that I was just talking about and messaging about on this page, going back to shapes, and, and you were talking about uh, sound waves and snowflakes, is I wanted to mention that one thing I noticed is that while in living in Edmonton, Alberta, which is in Canada, it's a very Canada is a very spiritually open country in general as far as the majority of the population as opposed to where I'm from, which is Maryland, which is right by the capital. Um, and in general, I notice a lot of growth there, but with the snowflakes there, you can actually physically see a difference. The snowflakes in Edmonton are, look exactly like geometric snowflakes that we draw in cartoons and everything like that. They're perfect geometric little shapes. And the people there are so much more open-minded. It's such a better environment that I found as opposed to living here. And just the way that people are more open spiritually and just happier in general. It's just kind of like one of those things that just goes, it just goes without saying. It's just who they are. Whereas here, people have to work at being that way. And uh, I notice here that the snowflakes here, they're more chaotic. They don't look like little geometric shapes. They look like groups of crystals that are completely chaotic and random. Yeah. And it was just something that I noticed and thought was interesting as far as talking about how the spiritual or the the 
mental aspects of people and our environment, how our own emotions and our own energies can affect our environments and the environment all around us. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's so much, uh, again, like I, I'm excited to be in this conversation because honestly, like for people listening to this, there's still like so many key things that I want to be able to get into. Um, Kyle, I know you got your mic open, so go ahead. Yeah, I had a whole bunch of points, man, but they're kind of gone now. They're still there. They're, they're just floating around, man. Yeah, they're floating around in the, in the space of things. No, I had a video. There was a video I wanted to do on YouTube, but it wasn't the right one I could find. Okay. It was, these, um, it was um, <clears throat> droplets of water suspended in, mm-hmm. you know, suspended in midair by sound sound waves. Yeah. Other magnetic frequencies. I had a, it was um, something about quantum locking. That occurs. Oh yes. And you have superconductors, and you take like this really cold fucking magnet on these superconductors, and like levitates and shit. And yeah. I probably had something to relate to about that. Oh, let me see. Where can we go with this fucking? What were we just talking about? Well, meditation, I mean, open-eyed meditation. There's um something I'll jump in if you don't mind, Kyle. Yeah, sure, man. Okay, cool. Um, I'll just say something, and then I know um, Jack, I think you had your microphone open. Uh, Jack, did you want to go first? I'll I'll let you jump in. No? Okay. Um, Okay, so Jenna was just talking about the idea of, like, how different areas actually have different snowflake patterns, and asking the question, does this relate to the energy, so to speak, of a location. And this is where you get into the idea of like, you know, Dr. Emoto's work, which a lot of people are familiar with. And, and that is like the idea of the, the secret the secret life of water and, and the, the idea of water being able to be studied as an example of how different vibrations, different frequencies actually change the structure, the sacred geometrical structure of the water itself. So this is actually like a really great example because for me, it really points to this idea of being able to study sacred geometry and actually being able to expand it into a greater understanding of what love and fear actually is. And for me, it's this basic idea that love is harmonious frequency symmetrical frequency a pure mandala in like its origin point and fear is that exact same mandala with additional frequencies added to it to the point where from the recognizable eye it no longer appears as symmetrical and appears to be fractured and appears to be chaotic yet it is still that same love and so it gets into this idea that everything is love and what we recognize as fear is only fractured love. It is only love in a disharmonious form. And so um, I'm going to just like pull up a couple examples of uh, sort of, I want to be able to get like the the ones of like the fear and stuff like that. Um, I'm just kind of pulling those up. Oh wow, these are like in German. That's unusual. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to pull up like a couple examples, um, and, and this is actually like something, yeah, there's a few ways to talk about this, but, okay, so I'm just doing a screen share real quick, um, where's that other folder, okay, here we go, so um, I'm just going to switch this into this form, 
Go computer. Okay, my computer's just pinwheeling. There we go. Okay, so I got some of the images, uh, some of the ones you guys already saw there earlier. I added in a few new ones. Got some tree in there. Got the flower life. We'll go back to that later. Um, got some, like, spiral Fibonacci fractal patterns. Um, so, okay, so again, you know, like, if people are, if people haven't seen this, if people are brand new, you can look up Dr. Emoto, uh, E-M-O-T-O. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but he did a lot of great research, again, on how water is actually a holder of vibrational frequency. It actually holds memory. And it gets into this idea of, like, well, if we're made up of water and we're so receptive to vibrations and frequencies, then we should probably be paying attention to this. And also the idea that emotions are frequency emitters as well. So I know you guys can like kind of see this, but again, so again, here's just like examples of like different crystalline structures of what we see within water or, or snowflakes, and they're very symmetrical, and they're very awesome, and they're very pure. And then we get into this idea of, this isn't the best example, but um, you can see um, different water that he has labeled with different things. So he has water labeled with thank you, water labeled with prayer. And then he has the example of water lab labeled with uh, Hitler. So it's like this idea of like charging the water with like a sort of a, a chaotic frequency, something of fear-based frequency, and then how out of that you actually sort of lose the harmonious structure within the crystalline representation that we see within the water. Um, so I mean, for me, it's really interesting, and I'm just going to jump into uh, this is a some points from a presentation that I did uh, way, 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 way back in the day um, of some simple points. Uh, sorry, my computer's just pinwheeling. Okay, so I just want to be able to pull this up. Okay, so this is like this is like the this image right here is like honestly like the simplest way that I can explain it. So like on the left you have like this this Mandela structure, which at this point is just drawn with square lines and it's the shape of a box. And that's the representation of love. So it's harmonious. It's in its like origin point. We can think of that as like a frequency. And then right next to it we have that same shape but discombobulated all the same elements of that exact original shape are still there, yet they're just in different positions so that it looks like something completely different. So essentially it is still the exact same structure, it, it's still the exact same thing, it's just restructured. And so again, you know, like what is fear? Like fear is like when we step out of harmony, when we when we add in new vibrations that sort of overlap each other and create like a new pattern which we recognize as being chaotic. Yet if we notice throughout reality, when you go through the fractalated levels, it will go through this pattern naturally. It will go through love and then it will go into chaos and then out of that it will emerge into a new layer of symmetry or love. <clears throat> this is actually what we noticed within the cymatics when we were looking at that earlier. Between the vibrations it would be like symmetrical and then it would be like really chaotic and then it would be symmetrical again. And so there was nothing wrong with the part when it was really chaotic. That just kind of meant that it was in between those like key resonating frequencies. Um, so again, like that's one way I want to explain that, and I just want to open that up to questions if you guys have that. But this is just a really cool image because I I just wanted to be able to explain. Like for me, the the spiral pattern is a way, uh, as I have written here on this image, of crystallization process of light 
creates momentum, propagation, and gravity. So the spiral process is the way for the universe to crystallize things. It is the way to make something really big into something really small. And essentially, like I think that the spiral pattern is actually made possible because every single atom is a black hole. So every single atom is an origin point for a potential spiral, and when we add a bunch of them together, we can have spirals at any point throughout reality. Um, that may be a little bit to wrap your head around, but uh, we can get back into that later. And this here, just while I got the images up, is the Fibonacci sequence, which we can uh, get more into. But again, the Fibonacci sequence is when you take the, uh, you take, a, like, it's, it's, it's 1 plus 2, and then 2 plus 3, and then 3 plus 5, and it adds onto itself. So you take the previous amount, and then you add it onto the next, and then you take that current amount, and then you add it from the previous to create the third amount, and then you repeat this pattern, so you get 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, which is 5 plus 8, 21, which is 13 plus 8, 34, which is 21 plus 13, 55, which is 34 plus 21, and it repeats itself through what we use as numbers to create this outward spiral that propagates itself. Now, the next part that's interesting is that you can take the same pattern and you just twist it and overlap itself, and it's just like, boom, there's our spiral again. And, and all I did was just like take the Fibonacci and just twist it around, duplicate it on top of itself. And then what we have here is just obviously what we recognize in many cases as being the sun wheel pattern that we see throughout ancient cultures. And so we see you know, like we see, like you can think of it as a swastika. You can think of it in Indian, how they have their own version of the sun wheel. You can think of it in any culture where they have sort of a spinning disc and how, from one perspective, this is actually directly relating to the, the intuitive study or the intuitive awareness of cymatics that is coming through their culture. And so, um, and then this is just, uh, well, I'm just in this folder. Um, again, here's just another example of, like, the shapes of this, the, the Star of David fitting inside of itself. And then from the front perspective, it just looks very complex. But then when you turn it sideways, you can sort of get another idea of along the z-axis. It's just allowing the same shapes to exist at multiple scales uh, on different proportions without having to create a new shape. So it's like, what's that? You need to create a universe? Here, use this shape. What's that? You need to create something really small? oh, here, you can still use this exact same shape. So, I mean, if you're thinking about this from the perspective of, like, say you're an advanced hyper, you know, a hyper-advanced spiritual race who's creating this reality as a holographic video game or a holographic computer engine, you would want to create something that would be super efficient. And I think that's where, like, the universe, where you can understand why sacred geometry exists. For me, it's this idea that the universe doesn't use... Any, it doesn't use more energy than it needs to. It's incredibly resourceful. It, it will put forth its best effort to be able to like use like as little energy as possible to create as much result as possible. So like in that sense, like that is why again, you know, if you if you were like designing this reality, it would make sense to say like okay, you know, like from A to Z, we're gonna use this exact same pattern. We don't have to have different patterns just because something's really freaking huge because you know scale is relative to perception as well. Um, so again, that was just a couple points, but um, just going back to the idea of like the water being a representation of uh, frequency harmonics and, and how that shows us, again, of like why we should be paying attention to sacred geometry and why we should be paying attention to vibrations and emotions and, and, and understanding that, or, or, you know, this is an idea in itself that emotions 
carry a frequency, that emotions are projecting a, a, sound, a sound wave, so to speak, but not necessarily a sound wave in the way we think of it. Um, and again, you know, this goes back to the idea of like the planets emitting sound waves, the planets emitting, free, emitting frequency waves, and like Saturn emitting a frequency wave. We emit a frequency wave. And when we're putting out a frequency of love, it's actually putting out like a different frequency that it would otherwise be put out if it was hate. So it goes back to this idea of like be aware of what frequencies you're putting out because they're literally changing not only your internal structure but the structure of other people. And again, going back to this idea that say you know this is like incredibly logical mind way of thinking it using some of the out the crazy ideas that we were talking about. But like I said. Let's assume that you're carrying the frequency of love intentionally. All of your water cells or whatever, all of your structures are like in harmonious order. Then, therefore, it's allowing like a signal to be sent like with more oomph, with more like intention, with more direction, opposed to all of your cells being sort of the structure of uh, like fear, which again is sort of like this discombobulated version. So I mean, you know, the signal might bounce off each other, but it may not fully resonate. It may not be fully like amplified in the way. So in order for us to be like better light beacons, better emitters of frequency, it makes sense for us to be in that frequency of love because it allows us to actually like send out a signal that is actually going to like be like received and and, and carried further um, and, and it allows us to sort of like transform ourselves um, from like that inner space. So again, you know, I, I'm practicing this as I go along and, and just kind of doing my best to get into words but I, I just want to uh, open up the microphone again and if you guys had any questions and maybe um, Jenna, if Jenna had any questions, but again, you know, just emphasizing back on the water thing, water carrying vibrations and the sacred geometry aspects of water is super interesting to me. Jenna, go ahead and then um, um, Roman afterwards. Uh, actually, you can talk to Michael about this. I uh, I do a little Google chat myself uh, every couple of weeks about love and spirituality in, in terms of uh, different things, and this has given me something to contribute to my next one. Uh, however, this being live, and I'm very, very cautious about what I put live as opposed to just having within the circle of people, um, there's a, a lot of energy that's put out with love and with different aspects of love, with physical love, with emotional love, with spiritual love. And when you think about things like that, I just have to ask, like, what would be your intake on all of these concepts that you just had in in the sake of um, physical love, I guess, is, is what I would say. Was that directed at uh, Michael? Because I don't think he's there. Oh, okay. No, that was directed at everyone, actually. Okay. Um, M Michael, I already know. Uh, like I said, we've we've gone through classes like this before, and okay. um, oh, so he kind of knows what I'm talking about with this. But I but I want to ask, like in general, to all of you who I've not spoken with before, who actually have different mental backgrounds and different ideas on things like this. That um, oh, I'm trying to put this in the best physical. Like the best way possible. Yeah, as long as you're thinking it, 
um, the universe understands your will, so I'm already feeling what you think you need to say, but you don't need to yeah. say So basically, exactly. this parachutes uh, into what I actually wanted to talk about. Not the symbol literacy, but um, when people are depressed or scared um, or how people get ill is because uh, Brendan loves this kind of subject of the mind over body thing. Not that you have to think happy all the time and everything will just get better. And it's not that blatant. You have to understand. Um, with all, I mean, Dr. Emoto's research, and it's all pretty much self-evident that if you put out positive energy, um, uh, you're either going to repel negative energy, kind of like in the hermetic principle of, what was it, rhythm? Where um, if you're wise enough, you can kind of dodge the next swing, you know, the, the swing of negativity. If you're, if you're wise enough, you can dodge it kind of. Uh, kind of ideal, but yeah, if someone's ill or sick and all they do is just keep bagging on themselves, doubting and the hate and the fear, they're not their body cells will start deteriorating because they're detaching, but they're not going to be in the same synchronistic healing form that they should be in. I I can agree with that. I've experienced that firsthand myself uh, with with people I've interacted with. I think what I was more so um, thinking about is, is as, as opposed to um, uh, an existing relationship between two entities where their energies are combining and creating that, more just in general that, 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 that not a temporary, but that, that, that moment or that, that point in time when people's physical entities are combining with their emotional and spiritual entities, and how that. <laughs> Are you trying to decipher the difference between like casual sex and like emotional passion driven sex? I'm sorry, I'm laughing because my cat just ran into the bed. Like straight <laughs> on, just ran into the bed like this. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, a lot of the things that I discuss uh, with my class is. The benefits to things that are that can be casual, and also the benefits of things that can be a little bit more existing long term, depending on the person that you're sharing your energy with. Because in in terms that are physical, that act you are sharing yourself spiritually with that person, no matter if it is casual or something more long term. Yeah, that just, occurs either way. Exactly. So that's why I was trying to kind of go in. Well, see more about what people were to say about uh, more of the scientific or, or spiritual aspect of, of your knowledge is on well, I mean, that. Don't have sex with anyone you wouldn't want to be because you will start taking on their attributes very quickly. So that's a thing. Why would you say that happens? Yeah, one of the most powerful things that can happen because is when you STDs. Sexually transmitted demons. They're real. Let me tell you. I've experienced it in my real life. STD. So everybody combines each other like under sexual energy. And that's very sacred. It's one of the powers we've been given from the gods of the higher level. We got procreation, physical creation, and fire, love. Sound, vibrations, thought. We've been given all these gifts. And how we use them, that's what 
that's what actually makes us, is how we use these gifts that have been given to us. Yeah, pretty much. I don't disagree with you. Hey, Bren yeah. Brendan. Um, bit off topic, so. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say we can probably root back, and I was just going to ask Jen if she wants to clarify her question, if there's still some other way of asking it. But, Michael, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, this, this, this transmission is very deep, and I've been listening here for a while, and, you know, uh, first of all, let me just say it's a pleasure and it's an honor. Thank you, Brendan, for doing this and making this possible, and every single one of you. And let me just say, I don't say this lightly when I say it, because I know the power of consciousness, or let me just, to more be more precise, I am realizing more and more the power of consciousness because we will never truly realize it in this physical body. Um, that being said, I just want to, uh, I think her name is, let me check really quick, Jenna. Um, hi, Jenna. I just wanted to say that um, the best answer I can give because I've had many students that, that ask that question. Um, basically, I, I, I can just simplify it and clarify it with this. Let me put the camera on because it's kind of rude of me not to have the camera on. Um, <clears throat> basically, to simplify and clarify something that is so complex, but it's very so simple, when you really realize it's about, in my opinion, because before I speak, let me just say that my attempt and my intent of what I am doing is I'm trying to take limitless energy constructed in symbols that we call letters and words and transmit that. So yeah. more so listen to the heart space that is speaking beyond these limited words that are vibrations being cut and dissected of what I can transmit. So, that being said, let me just say that when, when one realizes that we speak of trying to realize our higher self, we are realizing our higher self because all that we are manifesting is the power of self. It is the grandness of all that is being projected like a movie screen. And when we realize that everything is vibration, go within ourself, because I'm a living testimony to this, and I've helped many people realize this. When we change ourself, we change the whole fabric of our reality. Because I'm going to try to keep this very simple. Imagine there are nows on top of nows, like a film strip of, of a movie, right? But what you think is movement is just really still frames on top of still frames. No different from consciousness. There are nows on top of nows. The vibration that you, you choose to be in is the vibration that you will see because there is a you that is successful. There is a you that is um, complaining. There is a you that is in 5D. There is a you that is in a very resistant vibration. So in answer to your question, Jenna, love is what you make of it. Love doesn't have a specific definition because that is just man's or woman's interpretation of what they think love is in words. 
And that, so is the truth. that is the truth of all aspects of love in general, and that I can understand. But what I was, I think what I was trying to state and what I was trying to bring into this conversation and this topic discussing geometry and everything like that was, was more of the fact that as we brought love into the conversation, mm -hmm. what, um, what aspects of the spiritual uh, geometry are more evident in the aspect of love of physical love right. than the other aspects of this like what what part of, of this geometry is more evident in the physical aspect of love as opposed to the rest of the conversation we're having I think is really right. what I was I think uh, if, if, if you guys don't mind I I got um, a bit of a answer for that um, bu, 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 um, um, yeah okay so w what I was sort of um, yeah and again you know just thanks honestly thank thank you guys all for for just being able to add your conversation and I'll just say a quick thing here and I just want to let anybody else jump in um, when we're talking about like sacred geometry and everything like that uh, one of the things that I was going to get into was the concept of the toroidal field which is like something that uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are probably familiar with and I'm just going to do a quick screen share and be able to put that back up on screen so um, toroidal field so the toroidal field is uh, something that a lot of you guys are probably pretty familiar with and again it's like that donut shape that we see all throughout reality and that is like an important shape because it is something that we find uh, throughout our around our body and around like the literal shape of our body and our fields and so like that in itself is also sort of like a 3D representation of going back to Metatron's cube so when you take like the flower of life um, oh, sorry I was trying to move the wrong thing here do I have the flower of did, did I have the flower life in here? Um, if you sort of take like the the, the Metatron's cube, uh, oh, I, okay, I didn't save the Metatron's cube, but again, you know, if you take like the flower life, um, you can sort of like imagine that like the toroidal field is that it, it, it's mapped within that, and the toroidal field is something that like is around our body, and uh, there's the idea of um, a guy by the name of Mantak Chia, and he talks a lot about the microcosmic orbit that is um, between lovers when they are in the process of lovemaking, and so um, just by understanding that this toroidal field is throughout our body, and it is something that energy sort of moves along, and it moves like up through our spine kind of in like the fashion of um, what we would refer to as meridians when you understand that there is um, sorry I'm just kind of trying to like see if I can find like a YouTube or a image on I'm sure you guys have seen this though but I mean there's like there's like images of like people in the process of lovemaking and you can see how like their toroidal fields are overlapping over top of each other so to put it simply does sacred geometry, does an understanding of sacred geometry, uh, can it be applied to our understanding of more conscious lovemaking? Yes, absolutely, because when you understand that there is a toroidal field around each person in the process of lovemaking, then you can understand that they coincide together um, through the process of like the connections that we make through the microcosmic orbit of intercourse which is completed through um, also like the sexual organs but also through the uh, like the mouth as well and um, crap okay I'm not doing like the best job of explaining this but I, to a degree I am um, because I'm, I'm just honestly trying to like find uh, is this is this an image of it yeah okay perfect here's a here's an image that I got of it 
um, to a degree, and it doesn't even like show too much of like the intercourse aspect of it, so that's fine. Keep this PG. Um, <laughs> not that it matters. Okay, so here's an image that I just pulled up, and again, um, Mantak Chia, M-A-T-A-K-C-H-I-A. I really encourage people to look him up because he talks a lot about the uh, just the importance of like conscious sexual lovemaking. And so, I mean, within this image, you can sort of see that like. The toroidal, it's, okay, it's this idea that we each have like a field around us, yet when we are close to people, our fields literally overlap, and this is where you get into the idea of like the Vesca Pisces again, you know, the dyad, when you have like two circles and they overlap and they create like a new pattern, when in this case you have like a, a, a microcosmic orbit within our own system, aka the toroidal field, interli like it, it, it becomes inter, oh crap, I'm running out of words here, becomes inter like part of the same field as the person who you are with in that moment to create like a new field in itself, or a shared field rather, and it creates like an infinity loop. Um, when two people are together, it literally becomes an infinity loop, and through like the chakras and the organs, those actually create like uh, infinity loop positions. Um, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna stop talking for now, but Jenna, does that, any, yeah, go ahead Jenna, or jump in and then we'll. Yeah. I know it takes a second. That's okay. No, um, I'm just gonna show you. I literally just that that helps me. That's gonna help me build on a lot of things because I just need more things to research on about these things to get more in depth with it, and to counteract what I've already been researching about it. Because like I said, I do um, try to talk a lot on this in general. It's probably why Sherman brought me into this, but uh, it's one of my focuses on all of these things and um, talking about. Tantra and the things like that, it, it has that aspect of, of going into these fields that you're talking about. And also something that I've noticed as a person is, is these fields, you're talking about joining them physically, but even if you're not physically intimate with that person, just standing close to a person, sometimes you can actually interact with these fields and you have to be mindful of those things. I personally have to. So um, that answered actually a lot of my questions. So thank you. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, like, with the awareness of sacred geometry... Um, okay, hold on. You guys can still hear me, yeah? My computer's just a little bit glitchy. Um, okay, so I'll just say this, and again, I just want to open this back up to anyone. With with the awareness of sacred geometry, it really brings in an awareness of the subtle energies that are always there throughout every experience, and the subtle energies of our emotions, the subtle energies of our organs, the subtle energies of our chakras, if we want to use that term. And you're right. It also helps us understand that how these patterns, these energetic patterns, are constantly interacting and being interacted with our physical environment, which includes other people, which gets into this idea of, you know, like your toroidal field carries your vibrational pattern, and say if your vibrational pattern is love, then you can actually, that is why you can step into a room of people who are sort of in the position of fear and actually alchemize the fear into love through the process of simply being in proximity of it. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this, like, sacred geometry stuff, as you start, like, studying it, it, it branches off into so many topics, but one of them is alchemy. And um, just, again, it gets into the idea of, like, sound frequencies and just, like, how vibrations can actually, like, transform fear into love. And, um, yeah, and just being aware of, like, our own toroidal fields uh, around us, um, which, again, you know, it's just, like, energy kind of, like, moving up. And, and, again, we see this pattern all throughout nature. We see this within the shape of fruits. We see this in the shapes of, you know, like an apple and uh, just, like, all sorts of, all sorts of everything. Um, 
Yeah, so, uh, okay, I just want to, again, let's just open this up. Um, it, I think we're about probably two and a half hours into this broadcast. There are still a few other things that I haven't hit on yet, but I just want to let you guys jump in. Um, I just want to see, because um, I apologize, because I didn't want to feel like I cut you off, Michael, but, Michael, is there anything that you want to say, and then, Roman, I'll let you jump in afterwards. Or I just wanted to pass it over to Michael, if there's anything Michael wants to add. Um Michael's still there. I'm not sure if he's frozen, actually. Um, okay, well, Michael, feel free to jump in at any point. Um, uh, or, Michael, did you want to jump in? Not, no? Okay. Um, okay. Which Michael? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, that Michael, you, Michael Post. Um, okay, okay. That's why I was staying quiet. Cause yeah, I yeah, because I'm not even sure if Michael Pratt's even <clears throat> with us right now, but he might be playing Pokemon. I'm not sure. <laughs> well... The thing about the thing about it is, I gotta I gotta be careful how I speak because I don't know what people's levels are on this on this chat, and I don't want to say too much because it can affect somebody's awakening. Um, so, I mean, basically, the simplest way I could put because it's true everything that you're saying. <clears throat> But I can tell you from personal experience, let me say, whatever the mind of man can believe, man or woman, believes and gives effort and attention to, it strengthens. So, I mean, all these things are true, but however, I have a meditation where I allow people and I guide people to bring their chakras together because your chakras are basically, <clears throat> which is not even light or dark because in the space of all that is, there's no light or dark because even light and dark are just nothing. They just, you can't see anything. So long story short, bring the chakras together and it's an implosion. And instead of an explosion, which is a matrix or field of a vibration, an implosion is more of a of a of a self vibration. So the, the the thing that I'm trying to get at is if someone believes in chakras and their chakras are blocked, and I'm telling you from personal experience, but you can choose to believe whatever space you're in, I respect. That's why I say I gotta be very careful with the words that I use. Because with power comes great responsibility. If you choose to think that one chakra is more powerful than the other or this chakra is better, it's like choosing a favorite color over another, then you're going to be stuck in a world that you're the one that's allowing yourself to be stuck. However, and I got, I got this perfect example that you can do. Out here in the desert, it's about 100 to 115 degrees. I'm in Yuma, Arizona. <clears throat> what I do, I can sit on, out in the sun and not bake, not burn, at 115 degrees because I visualize me being in the cold. The, the heat is not real to me. I see it as vibration. I see it as energy. Now, when you move your consciousness to these levels, <clears throat> the physical laws do not apply to you. Does that make sense? So, there, there's infinite spaces between spaces, but my... My mission, my purpose is to 
remind, empower, and assist people to remind them that whatever you want to believe, whatever you want to put your consciousness into, you're going to realize, and it's going to be true to you. So, I mean, this is a great topic because this is a doorway. Because what you're given is a doorway. Um, the fractals, it's a doorway. But remember, every single one here, remember that every one of us that are seeing each other is just us being with ourself, experiencing ourselves. And we realize that everything is self, then we can really tap into vibrations because what we're doing is we're... Let me explain it from a brain perspective. If I believe the matrix, if I believe constructs, constructs of the matrix, then I close myself to more ethereal vibrations. So if I am more open-minded, because the bigger your consciousness of what you open up to, even though it insults what you believe, as I've been insulted and, and, and have much resistance in, in when I started, because my brain said, no, I don't want to believe that. But just the fact that your brain says, I don't want to believe that, it's controlling you from moving deeper within yourself. See, let me explain really quick the brain, and, I'll, and I'm going to conclude it with, with, with this. The brain is designed to do the job that it's magnificently doing right now in this moment. It is designed to have us believe that we're separate, that there's a me, there's a you, there's everything around me. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the brain is not designed to believe in self. It can't go there. That's why when people go with high energies or they have very traumatic situations, the brain compartmentalizes because it's too much energy. So the brain needs to compartmentalize itself so it can have an evidence of something out there or something different because it doesn't believe it's all that is. The brain's job is not to believe it's all that is. That's what we're here to do. The brain is just like the computer that you're on right now. It doesn't know it's connected to all that is. But when you put a command, you direct its consciousness to believe what you want it to believe. So, I mean, I can go much deeper, but let me just say that it's just a, a pleasure and an honor to be here. And, and I love learning from you guys because you guys move my brains to different places. And I love being in different rooms in the same mansion of experience. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Michael. Cool, thanks. Dude, it's pleasure, like the, the perception is the inception yes. for our life's direction. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. Awesome, cool. Um... Jenna, did you want to uh, any response to that or feel free or if there's more we have? I just wanted to say, this is something I messaged, was that, Michael, you just kind of read into me a little bit more deeply than I was intending to have anyone read into me in this conversation. You just hit home with a lot of things, so thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot. You are very right, and I, I listened to every word of that, and thank you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. My pleasure. I just have another reflection of self visiting, so say hi, mommy. Hi. Oh. <laughs> hi. <laughs> That's cute. Cool. 
See, even 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 children get into the whole like microcosm. Yes. Like it's it's literally like children. The way humans populate is fractal. You know, it's like the same pattern, like in another version, repeated and repeated and repeated, and changing as it needs to, sort of thing, without having to create a whole new thing. So, yeah. Super beautiful. Um, never forget that. Yeah, like you know, we always think about that. It's just like in in grade school, we're just like, oh yeah, you know, what's your family tree, right? So we're like creating a family tree, and we're not always thinking about it. It's just like it's like, oh yeah, like that's like a fractal lineage uh, that that we see as as like it's us like exploding through time. So um, there there was uh, some other things that I did want to get into, but before we do that, I just want to allow you guys to sort of add in any other points. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to get into is how, from my own understanding and my own sort of ideas, is hey, we lost him. Well, Brendan will be back shortly. I'm sure of it. Um. Anyway. Weird. Anyway, yeah, he's never dropped out of it. All right, anyway. so let's talk about the main subject that we got talking about tonight is sacred geometry. Can anyone it's come up with some, like, yeah. So, Kyle, it, talk it, about it, some sacred geometry, bro. All right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I like, I like, I like just, just the way that the pattern of this conversation has gone. It's branched out into so many different topics, and I really like how that um, how that in itself is a massive reflection of what we're actually talking about right now. How it's branched okay, off back. into all these different little regions of we went over here, we, right, we, we got over there. We got Brendan back. Brendan yeah, we got Brendan back. What's up, bro? Yeah, right. what, what what happened? Oh, it's just my, my computer, um, it still, like, runs out of RAM sometimes, so I just had to, like, reopen. But we're still good. We're broadcast still running. Um, cool, thanks, guys. Hey, Brendan. Uh, yeah, really quick, Mike, are, is this being recorded? This is, yes. This is being recorded because I might have to jump off because i got to get the kids to sleep. Okay. But let me just say that I'll be here next Thursday because this is amazing. Awesome. Well, next Thursday, and again, for people listening, next Thursday will be our admin meeting. So again, you know, that's related to the physical paradigm shift community. So for anybody who's interested in helping create physical communities where they are to have open-minded discussion meditation circles, tune in for that, and that's, like, super exciting. And get more definitely, into, like, the definitely. physical hands-on stuff related Let's to, talk, like, Brendan. for sure. Cool. Okay, well, Michael, if um, are you heading out now? Is that... Or, or just let us know when you're heading out. But yeah, I'm gonna yeah. head out now because I don't want to be in the middle of the conversation and say, "Oh, okay. I gotta go." So okay. it's best that I head right out right now. But let me just say thank you, everyone. Um, I'll tune into the replay, but um, I'm here in spirit. So blessings to you. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Everything Thanks. said really resonates very well. And I'll put your um, information in the show notes. So for anybody again who wants to connect with people who they've heard in this show, uh, we'll add their information into the show notes, which you can find through the main website, and then you can link into their Facebook profiles and any other websites as well, so yeah. Cool. Michael, thanks again, man. Much love. And look forward to connecting again. Um, okay, so uh, like I said, I just wanted to mention some of the topics that I want to get into before we wrap up this broadcast, which may be within the next week. Uh, one of the things that I want to mention um, Sorry, can you guys still hear me okay? My, like, I'm yeah. trying to load up YouTube, but my computer's just, like, half freezing and stuff like that. I'll yeah. do, I just got to, like, clear up my space. Okay, um, 
one of the things that I wanted to mention was like my own understanding of how sphinx and geometry helped me understand more about how time functions from a nonlinear perspective, understanding how we exist into the future and into the past, and how my and how studying sacred geometry helped me understand that. And um, I also wanted to get into the hyperdelic aspects of space-time related, again, going back to some of the psychedelic experiences, um, some of my own personal experiences of, like, literally exploring hyperspace and navigating it through direct thought intentions and actually being able to viscerally uh, unfold through... Um, Mandelbrots would be the best way to put it through like hyperdelic fractals like literally within the inner space um, and, and just kind of like what that points to and also uh, looking more into this concept of like how the Mandelbrot pattern sort of reflects into this idea of how this reality may actually be um, not a simulation but sort of just like this like infinitely unfolding holographic matrix um, and kind of Kyle knows what I'm talking about because there was a video posted about that earlier to sort of this like self-propagating algorithm of like infinity. Um, so those were some of the things that I wanted to get into. Um, one of the things that we could get into is the concept of the Merkaba, which uh, we sort of skimmed over earlier when we were talking about how the toroidal field is around everyone. Uh, again, you know, the toroidal field I mentioned is that like donut shape of energy that is around our body. And like that in itself, again, you know, it's the circle. It's the circle. It's the same circle that we're talking about when we're going back to the origin points. Um, but I just wanted to point in another obvious one, just for people who are just connecting the dots still, um, the electromagnetic fields of everything, and in particular of planets. And you can see um, how planets have like their own electromagnetic field. And these are like images that you see from NASA and stuff like that. And like that is like the toroidal field pattern that we see on a planet scale and on our personal body scale. Um, so there's a lot of other things. Jack, go ahead, though. You got your microphone open. Yeah, so I really wanted to have some recognition to uh, Sherman because he came in here earlier and he uh, was here with us and kind of disconnected, so um, I don't want to put the spotlight on anybody <laughs> that doesn't want to talk or anything, but, you know, um, Sherman, what's up, bro? Are you there? Is Sherman there? Sherman's mic was having a little glitch earlier, so I'm not yeah. sure. Okay, okay. Well, I, also, I also know that Sherman, Sherman lives in Maryland, and the part of Maryland he lives in is, like, uh, one of those, like, bumble fucky yeah. areas. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. I live, in, I, live, I, live, I live in the middle of nowhere, Maryland. <laughs> Sherman is not, but his phone just has issues because of his yeah. house. Yeah. yeah, he told me. No stuff like that. I don't know. But um, that's pretty cool, because I'm in Delaware, if you didn't know, Jenna. I'm in Delaware. Word. Cool. Um, okay, so if Sherman's there, feel free to jump in uh, at any point. Um, another thing I, I did just want to say, guys, I wanted to actually point to... Um, I wanted to talk about the movie uh, Doctor Strange, the new Marvel movie coming out in November, and how that's actually sort of revealing some of the uh, hyperdelic aspects of, related, of reality that I was sort of pointing to um, earlier. But uh, I'll talk about that as we get into it. But yeah, what 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 uh what else do you guys want to talk about in relation to sacred geometry? What other points can we look at? Um, I know, sure. Uh, sorry, Roman was talking earlier about some of the examples of sacred geometry appearing throughout ancient cultures, and you know, the flower of life, um, the pattern that. We haven't really talked about it too much, but again, you know, like that's the common pattern. You see it on the shirts that we have, like the open your heart shirts. It, it's a very common pattern that represents, from my understanding, my under way, way of explaining it, unity. 
And so, I mean, it's it's the it is like essentially, you know, if you're talking about the pinecone spiral, it's the same thing, just in a different form. It's the idea of like one circle becoming two, becoming four, becoming eight. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that pattern is actually observable within like the birth of a, of, of a child within like the embryonic state when we see one cell becoming two cell, becoming eight cell. And again, so it's like circle plus circle plus circle plus circle plus circle creates like this like basic sort of not just two-dimensional, but three-dimensional pattern, and then how that in itself is sort of like the female version of like the 64 um, tetrahedron crazy grid that um, guys like Nassim Harriman really get into, and it gets very interesting, um, but it relates back to unified field theory. Um, but yeah, you, you guys tell me, what, what do you guys want to explore a little bit more within this class while we're still doing this? Well, I really like. Um, sorry, Jack. Uh, do it. Uh, uh, okay, okay. Roman, Roman, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, my schedule is kind of rushing. <laughs> I really like to. I really got to jump off here in a couple minutes, like right now. So I just wanted to uh, cover that uh, symbolic literacy real quick, if I could find my bookmarks here. Yeah, oh, the, the one, just just while you're looking for that, Roman, and just setting you up, like, one of the things, um, I mentioned the flower life, I just didn't finish that thought, probably because I'm getting tired, but yeah, the idea that the flower life is a common sacred geometrical pattern that is found all throughout many, yeah. many ancient cultures, and so again, it's just like, how and why, you know, so it's like, coming through them, so we are sacred yeah. geometry waking up to ourselves, and we're representing yeah. ourselves through art, and it's not a coincidence, it is a coinciding uh, incidence. But I believe the first part of this is going to cover how um, it is negatively weaponized um, psychologically against us, but then I think uh, also it gets into, yes, the ancients uh, physically depicting. Well, first it shows an image of uh, an angel woman with the sun on her head standing on a sphere and a triangle, which is interesting. Uh, let's see here. It says, due to chronic symbol illiteracy, we live our lives largely unaware of a great poison in our midst, something that has profoundly negative effect on our conscious and unconscious selves. This is the use of subliminal persuasion in media and advertising. Subliminal and subtextual persuasion of this pernicious kind constitutes nothing less than a psychic dictatorship. It often involves the deliberate and subversive manipulation and public purveyance of words images, numbers, colors, rhythms, and symbols which are subsequently directed via ubiquitous media oracles toward limbic areas of the brain. The artifice of media persuaders produces an elaborate insidious cryptic language deliberately designed to disturb our capacity to differentiate between fantasy and reality. This artifice serves to stimulate compulsive urges and base appetites which in turn causes cognitive and somatic conflict that gradually shuts down higher centers of, higher centers of reason and self-control. Constant exposure to subliminal content serves to undermine healthy drives. It subverts our moral sensibility and ultimately arrests psychological maturation. The devastating effects of this subversion has rarely been explored in depth. It has yet to be recognized by the public at large who being victims of chronic symbol illiteracy, are sh unshielded against the constant barrage of subliminal content entering their minds 
causing over time a nightmare list of physical and psychic disorders. I'm going to let you guys go on that. i got to do something real quick. Very interesting. <clears throat> very interesting. Yeah, very cool. Go for it, Kyle. Yeah, man. Let me think. Yeah, I didn't really um, have a whole lot to say on sacred geometry. I haven't looked into it a whole lot before... Um, or seeing, I guess, the journey to lucidity, too. That's what really got me keen on it. You know, I always knew it was there. Um, always knew it was, you know, rocking. I just never had a keen interest or draw towards it. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so, like, a lot of, I guess a lot of this sacred frequency stuff, I mean, it's, it's all kind of there, really. It's all here, but a lot of it's resurfacing. I think it's very good, very good. Um, I'm pretty drawn out and tired, too, so I'm having a hard time connecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me think. Um, the snail. Snail shell, <laughs> spiral, the conch shell, the spiral. Yeah, two totally, slow. two totally different environments altogether. It's um, it's fantastic. And like I was saying earlier about how this conversation has stemmed off into different directions on how on how sacred geometry is applied in all these different areas and, and how that in itself, how we stand off in itself is a reflection and representation of sacred geometry. It's almost like yes. taking, putting it directly in front of a mirror. It's like now you guys as a group have moved 40 plus and 40 up yeah. or whatever, you know, like a fourth dimensional movement. And I guess this could also tie into um, some of the stuff that I've been experiencing lately I like I'm I'm writing my newest quest journal is coming out and I don't know what I'm gonna call it yet, but it's about this cosmic fluctuation of this massive wave of energy that's spilling over Earth right now. And like I keep reminding myself, like I don't know where the origins of this wave of energy have come from, but I know that it's happening. I stumbled across this little article that got me keen to it. And then, like, a couple of days later, I was like, wow, that's actually, like, pretty legit. I saw Aurora Borealis in the sky yes. above my house, and I live in yes. Delaware, and it is incredibly uncommon for me to see that. And so in seeing that, I knew that, we, yeah, we are going to be bombarded, and that gave me, that gave me a good mental, um, mental jump start on, all right, you're getting ready to feel like shit because... In this article, it was it was describing how like you could you're going to be experiencing, and lots of people are going to be experiencing this chronic fatigue for a little bit. Um, it's like a psychic thing, though. It's like you can feel it in your energy, and it's it's weird, but how that is how that works is like climbing a mountain. If you move too like you know you move too fast and you get elevation sickness. Well, we don't really have a choice right now. 
because we're being bombarded by this giant wave of energy. And that wave is itself sacred geometry coming from somewhere. And, you know, it's very familiar as if I've been on a planet where this has happened before. It's very familiar. So I kind of have an idea and knowledge of what's going on. And um, it's like I got keen to this whole thing recently after I started using this monatomic element that Eddie Grace put me onto. <clears throat> he told me to start getting into this monatomic element stuff. So I did some research and I got into it and I found, and I found that there's an, a monatomic element sold at my, my local Newark natural food store. So I went there and got some and I started using it. And almost like 24 hours afterwards, dude, I was, I was experiencing such a stronger connection to basically everything in general, like other human beings, Earth, the vibration of Earth, the frequency of Earth, um, the frequency of, of stars and all these different things that are colliding down on Earth right now. And it's like right now is a huge time for Earth. Earth is a very happen in spot and it's because we're one of the only spots left like I'm not sure if I'm a, fa I'm a fan of the asteroid belt used to be a planet and that there used to be three life bearing planets Mars that planet and Earth and now there's only Earth but I know Mars was one and I'm not sure if there was a third but I know Mars and Earth are the two so I'm like you know, it, it's 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 all here. It's all flowing. It's like, where is it coming from now? And that's another thing. I'm not really, I'm not really too concerned with the source right now. It's just what's happening. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So and sacred that, geometry comes from the yeah. inner me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, you know, again, tying this in with sacred geometry, like you were talking about, like, the monoatomic gold and, and everything like that, like, does that relate to sacred geometry? Absolutely. Everything does relate to sacred geometry. Yeah. Everything you bring into your body is going to, like, have, like, a subtle vibration that is going to, like, well, add into your overall vibration. What's um, really cool oh, is, yeah. um, what's really cool is the... The monatomic element I'm using, like Gary used, is monatomic gold. I'm using monatomic clay. It's bentonite clay. And it's like, I guess you could find it at your local food store like I did, you know, your, your local organic store. If they carry that kind of stuff, if they have an herbs and spice section, you know, it's kind of tailored to a different direction, um, like my local natural food store is, but I found out that this one, it's bentonite clay, and it is an O-R-M-E, and that's an orbitally rearranged monatomic element. So, it's made monatomic by sacred geometry, by the orbit of Earth, I guess. <laughs> it's an orbitally rearranged monatomic element. You know? mm -hmm. I haven't done yeah. a massive, extensive research into that, but from what I've gathered, like, it gets that way through the motion of orbit, mm, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. So I'll have to do more research into that and drop some links if I can. For sure. But, you know, that right there, it links in. And what you put into your body, yeah, 
it definitely reacts, and it'll react fast. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I experience a very strong, much stronger connection after 24 hours of usage, and I can already, I can already feel a difference. But it's a, it's a psychological and spiritual. It's a connection yeah. difference. Yeah, it's like strengthening, like I said earlier, you know, it's like allowing that, like, highway connection to be more present, that Broadway band, that broadband. Another, another thing that I, I came across, a really cool picture in For Sacred Geometry, it's, if you've ever seen a model of the way all of the planets rotate around the sun, and the way that we, our entire solar system is perpetually moving through space, and they trail all of the planets that give it a tail. So the spiral. Yeah, you know, that alternative spiral. model. And yeah. now, what does what does that look like to you when you see that spiral? What when you see that corkscrew? What does that look like to you? What is the first thing you think of? I can tell you the first thing <laughs> I thought of: DNA, the double right. helix. Right. Boom. And that's the basic building blocks for human beings. That right there, yeah. the the double helix. That's it right there. It's it's yeah. that's why RT that's why DNA is the way it is. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's I'm sure if we studied extraterrestrial DNA it would be the same because that's the orbital pattern of everything in space. And going back to the um, going back to sacred geometry and time, what is time? Time is a measurement of the rotation of objects around other objects in the vacancy of space. Time is only something that is relevant to us because of the fact that we can measure it. It's just a unit of measurement. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On a scale this small to have matter and stuff. I want to um, use that to bounce off into uh, what I was going to mention about um, a model related to time that's sort of revealed through the study of sacred geometry. Um, Kyle, thanks for sharing that. And um, I will just say, guys, like, let's uh, let's put a cap on this and say we won't go past 2 a.m. Uh, again, just, you know, for people listening to this, <laughs> huge shout-out. Thank you. And, I mean, yeah, you know, it's just... Because I want to be able to just, like honor the people's time and I mean it's good that it can be five hours um, but like it's it's let's try not to make it too much more than it needs to be <laughs> um, I was gonna say uh, okay let me um, pull up bah, 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 bah. I, wa- I want to give you guys an example of uh, something that a lot of you have seen before because it's actually in um, like the opening presentation that I have done for uh, the Paradigm Shift Central website um, the awakening within the matrix in five minutes and um, I'm just going to pull up this screenshot here and I'll add this to the show notes afterwards but it's a super simple example of the past, the present, and the future through uh, a pattern similar to what we recognize as a tree so this is kind of like a crude drawing but it's basically something that I became very um, aware of in this idea that you know we talk about the tree and how that is like such a good model for reality so I mean again the tree is a model of that toroidal field you know it's got like the branches coming up and the roots going down then if you take that sideways and think of it in terms of our perception of time 
it allows us to sort of get this comprehension that the future exists within the branches of unquantified realities and potential realities in the same way that the past can theoretically exist as like multiple aspects of reality and it's only in the present awareness of the now that they crystallize through this trunk so again you get this concept of crystallization you know when things come together when they spiral into like a single point of focus a crystallized point and so to me the tree again you know I encourage people to just like go and sit in front of a tree and ask it what it can teach you about reality you take a tree you turn it sideways you think about that as time and it just helps you sort of understand that we exist beyond the present moment like the branches of a tree and in the same way we can extend our intentions we can project our intentions like branches of a tree and this is actually kinda of interesting because you think about um, the movie Donnie Darko and there's like that idea of like you see like he's got like that like tendril sticking out of his chest and, and I mean that's something that is a good representation but I think there's like actually like more to that there's actually a realness to that and we actually have like our, our physical bodies, you know, we don't end where our, where our flesh ends. We actually energetically extend beyond that. So where, where all of our appendages are, you can almost imagine like branches like leaching out of us, you know, like tentacles leaching out of us. And so I mean like that happens energetically, that's there energetically, but it also happens sort of like in a multi-dimensional aspect of our own intentions. So like literally if everything exists as branches, you know, like what are branches? Branches are information traveling from point A to point B. They're information traveling from one place to another, even through time, what we recognize through time, even through dimensions. So I mean our thoughts like travel, not it's like a combination of branches and like a pulse wave that we would correlate as, as being similar to a sound wave sort of thing um, so yeah like for me it's just like thinking about the, the concept of a tree as a, as a good representation of time and uh, you know I just encourage people to go into that a little bit more and think about that for themselves and allow that to reveal itself in a way that makes more sense for them over time um, just moving things along though one thing I did want to mention uh, because I hadn't gotten into it just yet is I'll let you guys take a moment to see if you can tune into my psychic message that I'm putting out there before I tell you what I'm going to talk about because it's so freaking awesome and exciting Anybody, anybody want to guess what I'm about to talk about? It's like super related to sacred geometry and it hasn't been mentioned yet but it's so freaking huge and it's so freaking awesome and it opens up like a whole new door. Does anybody want to take a guess? What was that? Can I try? Does somebody want to guess? Uh, no, that is not correct. But yes, that, that is also correct. But no. Um, Sherman, did you want to take a guess? I'll try and put it out there. I'll put out my branches. Yeah, I'll take a guess. I'll, I'll take a I'll take a guess. But what did Michael just say? He said rainbows. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I'm putting my fractals? thoughts out there. Um, yes and no. Fractals are part of it. It's something very specific. I'll give you a clue. Mel Gibson. It's a horrible clue, but it will make sense in a second. <laughs> Crop circles. Yes, thank you, Michael. Michael got it. Crop circles. Whoa. There we go. So talking about crop circles here um, uh, on the video display, you know, crop circles. What's the deal with crop circles, and why the heck are so many of them geometrical patterns, and why are they all sacred geometry? And again, this gets into this very interesting idea of 
sacred geometry and geometry and symbols being the language that the universe uses to communicate to itself. So, therefore, are aliens actually these things separate from us, or are they consciousness in a different form attempting to communicate to itself through the language of symbols? And that's why, you know, like, look at this one right here, and again, for the people just listening, there is a crop circle, in particular, the one up in the top of a pine cone pattern. You know, very intricately created. Presuming it's not a fake, let's just like go right to the point and say yes, this was made by like some sort of you know alien consciousness. Like, why is that being put there? Like, I think that is being put there. Again, it's a very mysterious question. I encourage you guys to think about this. But again, it's being put there to be seen. It is being put there for us to be able to be like, well, why are the aliens putting all these sacred geometrical patterns there? It's like helping us not only, like, again, you know, what I was saying earlier, even if we may not know the answer, simply by seeing a giant pine cone spiral in a field delivers a subconscious message to us. And at the very least, it tells us that this symbol is important or this symbol like has like something that we should be paying attention to. So I mean, you look at all these crop circles, a lot of them are straight up sacred geometry. And so I mean, I think that's just something to be aware of because I mean, is sacred geometry important? Well, if aliens are leaving messages for us in sacred geometrical patterns, then yeah, I would definitely say so. So I mean, that was just something I wanted to point out. But what do you, what do you does it, do you, if you guys want to talk about crop circles for a second, feel free. I like how there's like fake crop circles in here. I don't know if you guys saw the one earlier. There was just like one. There was just like a giant like marijuana leaf, cannabis yeah. leaf. Like, <laughs> clearly, the aliens yeah, left that. The aliens, the aliens man. Good. They know, man. <laughs> hey, man. The earth is so great. It's like the only place they can they get it, man. Probably we're trying. Yeah, yes, for sure, man. Um, Next week on Paradigm <laughs> Shift, talking about what drugs aliens do. Oh man, to make penis. Oh, that one's like shaped like a giant penis. That's awesome. This one's like, yeah, there's so many. I love crop circles, man. <laughs> I mean, some of these probably are man-made, no doubt, but a lot of them are incredibly beautiful, complex. Although there's a nice like yin yang on top of yeah, the that yin-yang middle one. one right there. Is very nice. With the, uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even if they were okay, man-made, they had to have been made by a man that was into this, in, like, yeah. intuitive of these things and wanted to actually create awareness to these things. So I still say the message yeah. is the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. It's still consciousness to communicating to itself. Yeah, I totally support that. It's perfectly, like you said earlier, just to be seen and just... Having seen it initiates that thought process, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, of just what the message underlying, I guess the underlying message of the symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, again, you know, like that's why, like I like being able to encourage people to use the shift buttons. You know, like that's why we put sacred geometry on them. It's just because simply by showing them to people, it's like helping them awaken. You know, it's just, like, giving them these little seeds, and it's them, like, without even needing to be told, they're just like, whoa, you know, like, why do I recognize that? Or why is that Why is that something I want to learn more about, right? And it helps them just sort of begin to explore further. So, yeah. Um, Kyle, did you, you got your microphone open. Did you want to... Oh, I was, I was saying, dude, like, everything that we're talking about is very, very synchronistic, synchronistic of what... I happened today, like, when I walked down to go to the bus stop to go to Newark, I walked through this field, and it was, like, a bunch of grain. And I was like, huh, last year it was a bunch of green beans, you know? 
and this year it's a bunch of grain and I was like I should walk out there and like drop circle and I was like, maybe I'll do that tonight maybe I'll go out there and I'll make a crop circle and here we are looking at crop circles you know that's kind of cool that's the way I started my day and now we're kind of ending we'll get started this day <laughs> anyway Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. also on that journey man I went to U of D campus and on the University of Delaware campus, I found a nice spot to like sit. I found this bench, and I just sat. And as everyone was walking by me, you know, everyone's everyone's walking into class or whatever, and I'm outside, so I decided to meditate. I was writing in my journal, and I just put it down for a second, and I began to meditate. And I was like, I'm just gonna focus on emitting a frequency of love. I'm just gonna emit the frequency of love around me. And as I did that, I continued to do that and, and push it in to me and then send it out. Kind of like purging it into the grid, sort of. So I was just sitting there on this bench. Someone's walking by me on campus. And I was just meditating this. You know, I'm, not, I'm not a student or anything. I was just there meditating, sending out this frequency of love. And then it began to escalate to the point where I was imagining the entire plane that I was on coming up into this new frequency, into this new space, you know, the entirety of the area, shifting the entire portion of grid that I was in into this new space. And I think, you know, that's that has to do with the cosmic waves that are coming from this crazy sacred geometrical place out there in the cosmos. <laughs> Definitely, man. And again, you know, like that's why, what like, spirals are sending this energy to us. What spirals are we sending out? You know, totally. Like, we are sacred geometry. And when again, you know, it's like you are what you think. What sacred geometrical patterns do you want to be? You know. And so, yeah, like a that's a great meditation practice that you know for people listening, you can imagine that. Like, imagine yourself like sitting in one spot and sending out the geometrical pulse. And, and, and just by, like, orchestrating your thoughts around that concept, it actually creates that wave. It actually creates, like, that frequency. And the more that you can have your focus on it, the more that you can, like, calibrate your, your integrity of that allows that, like, wave to exist with, like, more reality to it, with more reality behind it, which, again, you know, it's just, like, something that we can talk more about later. But, yeah... Sent, like it's it's important to think about to not to to always be reminded of the idea that we are always sending out waves, we are always sending out emotions, we are always sending out those frequencies, and how those frequencies are affecting with our environment, the waves and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. Does anybody else have anything to mention related to crop circles? I'm just putting up a post on Instagram if anybody wants to jump in. Well, the only thing I remember. In the Mel Gibson movie, <laughs> is they didn't like water, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where Where are yeah. you going with this? <laughs> Does that make sense? Within the movie, um, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm not do sure. You, do you know why they didn't like water? I don't. I don't think that. It burned them. Like water. Water was like a. I don't know. Water. <laughs> Water wasn't a thing those aliens could consume. It, it 
damage to like decompose their. It was like arsenic to them. Yeah. yeah. You know how arsenic is our immediate killer, supposedly. Uh, yeah. I was just curious, like why they would put that in the movie. Yeah, I I think it was just kind of like a way to move the plot, M Night Shyamalan sort of thing. I'm not really yeah. totally sure if there's like a deeper esoteric. I, the only thing, and again, like I don't, to be honest, like I, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time like pondering that thought. But there's like one thing that I saw where it's just like, um, it's like barely even worth mentioning. But it was just the idea that like maybe the aliens were like quote unquote demons, and then the girl was actually the little girl who was like half drinking the cup. She was like blessing the water, and it was holy water. Some like crazy YouTuber had this theory, and like it was so it was like the holy water that was like burning them or something. Anyways. Oh. Um, yeah, if that gives any sort of like credence to it, but I mean, yeah, like I don't really. Honestly, I, I if, we're give, just, if we're gonna give just... any, if we're gonna give any credence to this movie <laughs> whatsoever, if we're gonna give any credence to this movie whatsoever, we have to actually do it to is what he actually intended was that there are signs in the universe that tell yeah. us about the path that we are supposed to be on, and there are signs. When his daughter, for years, it wasn't about this one moment. For years, right. she only took one sip of water and kept those glasses sitting there. His brother, for years, was a deadbeat that didn't do anything but sit at home, and he just swang because he swang that bat. At the end of the day, all of these signs led up to that integral moment where they needed them to be there for that point in time, and that's mm -hmm. what I, I took from the movie is that there are signs in the universe that build up to this. Um, while well, yeah, I have my mind, signs. Yeah. yeah, but that's the whole point. That's why he wrote the plot that way. But anyway. <laughs> that answered my question. I mean, that is, okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it seemed like it was so so simple. But no, the, the other thing I wanted to say while I had my microphone unmuted, because I'm trying to keep it minimal right now, is just, um, Kyle, what you were saying about the Aurora Borealis, it was actually not until you said that I recognized, because I also witnessed the Aurora Borealis in Edmonton, and it was something where for two years I was trying to see it. I was trying to see it. I was trying to catch a glimpse because it's right up there up north. It's the northernmost north city. You're supposed to be able to see it all the time, and I couldn't until one night I went into the suburbs, and it was just there. And it was gorgeous, and it was amazing, and it just, I could feel my energy enveloping the beauty that was this scene I saw in front of me in the stars in the heavens. And... I didn't take it past that experience. However, I think that you may have been right because ever since that point in time, there's been a lot of differences in my life. And I'm very happy that you brought that up. And I appreciate you sharing that experience because it's, it's brought a lot of perspective into my life. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very strange. Like, I thought it was like, some sort of clouds at first, you know, and like, I was out there and it was very late. It was probably right around this time. I'm so if I walked out there now, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it. <laughs> it was like <clears throat> I thought it was this strange set of clouds and like I started to realize I was like, no, I can see stars right through that. I was like, that's not cloud coverage. And it was the only thing in the sky. Clouds aren't ever just I'm a cloud doing my thing. <laughs> clouds are like always in a pack of other clouds, <laughs> you know. Like clouds are always with others, you know. When when clouds form, they form. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I'm looking. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, like 
I'm looking, I'm looking, and I was like, is this some sort of giant craft that is just like poorly cloaking itself? Because it was like this. Oh man, it was, like this, odd, it was this odd ring. It was like this, you know, like this crazy wavy yeah. formation over here, and then these two arms that jetted jetted out in this direction. It was like boom, boom, two straight lines, and yeah. and I was like, what is this? And it was just slowly creeping across the sky, just boom, <laughs> like at a minute. I'm like, is this cloud? Like, is a cloud? What is this? And I was like, no. What exactly is this? Like, holy shit, it's glowing. Beautiful. Like, there's no other way. Like, I'm sitting here trying trying to say it in words. It is gorgeous. Like, you can't, you can't describe it. Blue white light in the sky. There was this this whitish blue light that was like waving. It was. I mean, it was like one set thing. It wasn't like moving and dancing all over the place. It was just there. But it was like for me it was for me it was was green and white, but it was. It was dancing all over the place because it was like literally moving, just how you you see it in motion picture like not motion pictures Mm. but stop motion animation where they try to take picture of it in different aspects and it literally just dances across Mm. the sky. It it just crawls. It's like a flame. It's like a flame. Yes, yeah. It's like a flame. It is slow motion flame. Right? And that's wild. Breath- and and I remember, stopped. remember the dream class what I was talking about how I, I saw myself as a being of blue white light. Yeah. And then I was like uh, in the sky above my house. Oh yeah, that was oh that was God, you. Dude, you were there, man. For me I am. Um, for me it was it's nighttime. It's usually nighttime that you're able to witness this because of the colors. And the way oh, they yeah. perceive them with our eyes. However, for me, right. it was more of just the fact that I felt like wisps of my energy. Like, like physically, if you can consider your energy in those waves, the waves of my energy were going mm-hmm. up to join into this force, and I became dancing with them. Nice. Wow. That's awesome. And I, just, I, I had to physically stop. I physically, and I was supposed to be the designated <laughs> driver at this point in time. I was not that drunk. Because I was the designated driver, but I had to I had to stand there for like fifteen minutes, and and the person I was with was sitting there like, "What's going on?" I was like, "It's wherever I am." It's like, "Yeah, that happens all the time." I was like, "No, you don't understand. This is my first time seeing you." <laughs> <laughs> like, Definitely. Yeah. Cool. I was just gonna say, guys. Um, just wanted to welcome. We do have a new player who joined the game, so uh, Im- implying welcome, welcome to the hangout, and um, I just want yeah. to pass the mic over to you, but. At the same time, um, let's uh, reroute this spiral into sacred geometry um, in some way or another, which is totally cool because Aurora Borealis is exciting, and we could talk about that all day, I'm sure. But implying, go go ahead. Um, Have you been Have you been tuning into the broadcasts uh, prior to joining, or Um, this is my first time coming to the was it called Destiny School? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we're calling it. So. Can you hear me fine? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is my first good. time tuning in here. All right. It seems kind of laggy, but yeah, this is my okay. first time tuning in here. Cool. Um yeah, I mean on the topic of sacred geometry, did you want to did you want to add in and anything we were just talking about crop circles and why sacred geometry shows up in crop circles was kind of one thing we were talking about and stuff, but um, if there's anything related to sacred oh, geometry, yeah. you want to jump in. It definitely seems like a kind of 
know, where like math is kind of like the map of this reality. We could say that definitely seems to be the case there, and it's kind of like this underlying thing that we all understand. Kind of the basis of understanding, if you really think about it, is like shapes, patterns, numbers, kind of all you know merging together with the idea of consciousness being aware of a pattern existing on some sort of field. A blank canvas, obviously nothing's there, we can all see that nothing's there, but then if you start putting something on there, we all start to like form our own ideas about it and kind of take that same idea and expand it with this reality. And it's just kind of like art forms, honestly. We draw three D objects. You can all be like yeah. Canvas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like the meaning yeah. to all of that can be really go far really mm-hmm. yeah yeah but if, if you try to understand I used to be in a n- numerology a lot it's kind of ties into that oh definitely I'm sorry again I'm lagging so I'm probably going to like <laughs> <laughs> interrupt okay. people um, no, that's cool. accidentally sorry um, <laughs> Michael go ahead you can you can jump but in like, yeah, numerology oh, well, I, I was just saying sort of I was just saying, as far as mathematics, trying to understand it on a mathematical level is probably the most... uh, Well, even then, it can be a mind-expanding experience, but trying to understand it on a mathematical level is probably the, um, the most logical and I'm sure it's still quite mind-blowing. Um, because it's like kind of trying to trying to understand, uh, you know, God in a math equation, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. mm-hmm. Or you know, infinity. Infinity. You know, there was always this rule. They said, you know, you can't do because whoever came up with it said, you know, you can't do this. Well, why? No, you just can't. It says you can't divide by zero. <laughs> you know. You ever wonder why that is? Why? Mm-hmm. Can we not divide by, by zero? We just can't. Um, it's mainly <laughs> based on, like, uh, math. understand the concept of dividing by zero, but we can't, like, actually write it out and say, oh, this is what you get when you divide by zero. Like, consciously, we're able to comprehend all of that stuff, but well, to go and put it on a piece of paper is something else entirely. Yeah, yeah the, the calculator just says divide nothing. Well, in all actuality, dividing nothing would bring you back to another starting point. Which is oh, yeah, because zero would represent nothing. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and it's that's interesting. The whole point with dividing by zero is that there is nothing there to divide by, so you can't have an equation, but, I mean, kind of, I, it just sort of slipped out of my mouth in word-verbal form there, kind of. Um, if, you were, if you were to divide by zero, whatever number you are trying to divide by zero would be looped through itself, kind of like a wormhole and be back at its own starting point. 
-hmm. which could be a negative number, or it could be a positive number, double its size, <laughs> or it could just be a different, uh, another number represented by a unit in a different dimension. It could get so. slid to the side, to be honest. And that's a fractal, that's a, fra a fractal reflection in mathematics. It's a theory that I just came up with, I guess, just now, but think about it. It kind of makes yeah. sense, doesn't it? If you were to divide something by zero, mm -hmm. and it would go into a number. That number would try and duplicate or replicate itself because it would be pulled through itself. It would be pulled through its end and, and beginning. It would so, be yeah. pulled through it's an like event horizon. Event horizon. Yeah. It would be pulled yeah. through an event horizon, right? And then, boom. So, like, so there would be data. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that like, is, yeah. that is, is a like fractal a replication. Zero is the point. Zero is the, it, I'll just say this, um, it's interesting because when we're talking about sacred geometry, it, it evolves out of, again, that point. And that point can be thought of as zero, but again, zero isn't emptiness. Zero is no-thingness, nothingness. So, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. the word nothing, like, it's no thing, which is in itself Yeah, it's literally which no is thing, in itself, which is, yeah. which is whole or a whole. So, I mean, you know, like, we have mm -hmm. a black hole. Like, it's, you look at the words, you look at our language, and we're actually... Like, like we can literally point clear. at something and say, that is nothing. It's pretty, uh... You look at numbers in but general, and what something. are they? But yes. physical representations of quantifications that we try to make. And it numbers. Is literally, the numbers themselves are literally just a physical designation that we as men have created... Four, hey, the, we, the we, we need those. Numbers. Geometry. <laughs> numbers. At the end of the day, yeah. you're talking about zero, absolute zero. All of it, all of it can be theoretical if you choose to make it theoretical. Yeah. Again, like we numbers. We need numbers, though. We no. do. And, and numbers, numbers are like placeholder symbols for, again, vibrational frequencies, if we want to think about it that way. You know, but like, only because we have initially define numbers to be an integral system. Yeah. If numbers think about think about the fact that if numbers never existed, how would we define those vibrations? We'd be lost how would if we numbers never if numbers never existed, Shapes. we wouldn't be talking right now. Because numbers oh, it would be a different system of identification. Well numbers in mathematics is the is the world's one and only singular language that everyone from across the globe can understand. If you, you come talking to me in Chinese, I won't be able to understand you, but if you show me, if you write out the number 2 plus 2, that's a universal thing for Earth people to do, and that's kind of why math is an implication. So, in so long as we agree. Are, but are those numbers created because this geometry that exists yeah. not only physically but spiritually in our minds... Yeah, has it is definitely a, a spiritual in order representation. For us to, to force ourselves, in order for us to force ourselves to define it in a numerical system, because for people who don't look at these things spiritually, they literally look at these things the same way I do. If, honestly, you are trying to define anything in general, you just go with what everybody has told you to go with. If you try to step outside that box numbers would be the only thing that you can't really step outside of because it's a quantification. Yeah. 
why is that a quantification? Why does that actually mirror what we spiritually see? Why why does that tie into all of this geometry that we're talking to? And why mm. was that there before we ever decided the number, the name of the number one, the name of the number two, the name of the number three? I think I think it needs it, it it's was like it's well, like I'm trying to talk over each other, guys. Go ahead, Michael. I think it's like a value thing. It's like it's gonna it could mean whatever we want it to mean. Like one could mean dog, of course, but when we think about that, it's like why would one mean dog? That sounds, you know, illogical. But it's really which what, what you ascribe to it. But I think I think it's the value of what the this system I mean, it has it has worked for us. Uh, uh, who whoever designed it, um, you know the the number system that we use. And um, so I I think that it it really has to go as far as because I've thought about that you know before just looking at letters like say the word. Um, art or something, but when you, you look at that, if you break that down into three letters, it's an A, an R, and a T. If I were to look at that and just say, well, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Those are just symbols there. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of breaking the code, but and it says it's like, what the heck is that? You know, it, it's kind of one of those things that's like, I think we need to place value on the language and the system that we use without, you know, tearing it apart completely, but kind of recognizing, I guess, the value that it holds for us, I guess, if that makes sense. Because you can go kind of crazy with that, you know. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is that making sense? Like, if you looked at a, 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 a particular word or something and then... You're like, well, those are just symbols. No, but it means it means something. Maybe because we place meaning on it, but still, I mean, it's like, you know, we're you we're used to that, I guess. It's all factors of communication. Yeah. Numbers were mankind's first attempt to vocalize spirituality, I believe. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing that you do when you begin to we begin a spiritual journey is you have to question yourself. And in questioning yourself and your surroundings, you begin to make languages and things. You have to come up with tools in order to measure them. And mathematics and numbers is probably is mankind's first and best attempt at understanding ourselves and each other. That's what mathematics is to me. That's what mathematics resonates with me. The math that I've done and the way that I have tried to use it has been, you know, I don't try and do it all the time, but I've always looked at it at an, in, in a quantum sense. I've tried to look to quantum application because quantum application describes metaphysics. And metaphysics is something that we so readily talk about is something that resonates with me very well. So I'm getting into math and stuff. That's what I'm looking at and, and metaphysical 
things are us because we are metaphysical beings. And if you don't know what a metaphysic metaphysical being is, it's an interdimensional being. It's another form of dimension layered on top of what we are. And our aura is a three-dimensional shadow of that. And if you don't know what a three-dimensional shadow is, I guess we we are a three-dimensional shadow, basically. Um, um, Kyle, Kyle, without really interrupting you, because you are literally on point with everything that I was trying to get out of my question, uh, that's exactly what I meant, was the fact that we have these definitions of what these numbers mean, but these definitions came about because we sought out the answers because of how we felt spiritually, which goes into the geometry that we're talking about right now, because without the question, there can be no answer. Without the answer, we can have no numbers, no... I don't know. I must have gotten off point. I'm sorry, guys. No, you're good. You're good. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. Guys, I'll just ch I'll just chime in here, um, just to sort of check in. Uh, it's about 1:33 a.m. Um, I mentioned we'll wrap this up by two, so no, that gives six. us <laughs> okay. 12:34 over here. Um, but yeah, let's let's see how much we can get in uh, within the next less than half hour, and just keeping that in mind um, as we move through this. Um, yeah, no, I, I like I like what you guys were, were definitely getting at. Um, does anybody else do just we'll we'll sort of like wrap up the, those points? If anybody else just wants to add into anything that's been said, um, and then I got a couple things I want to add in as well. Uh, no, okay, cool. Uh, no, I got a bunch of Aren't lavender you? from the place. Today. Yeah, Kyle's making his tea. Nice. I, mean, I got lavender. Dream tea. Lavender is supposed to be very very key for dreams, so I got a ton of it. I was going to say that there are uh, like universal symbols that people recognize and not always, but most of the time they kind of mean the same thing. I think, I don't know if it was Joseph Campbell or maybe Carl Jung, he gets into that and he's saying like, you know, all these different symbols, um, meant something uh, to people, whether, you know, it was like Sumerian symbols, Babylonian symbols, um, even things, you know, we would now think of as like, say, like uh, Judeo-Christian uh, symbols. Um, these symbols are like these universal, the symbol ha is like an archetypal thing. And um, throughout these different cultures, you can see that these symbols mean, meant um, kind of a universal thing because, you know, a picture or a symbol uh, can tell like a thousand words. So when people see certain symbols or recognize certain s symbols, um, they almost have like this connection to it if they know what it is or or they just naturally gravitate towards you know whatever symbol that is I guess yeah yeah kind of we were mentioning earlier um, similarly similarly um, yeah like symbols 
are energy, like they carry energy patterns. And so, I mean, it, it's like the, there is like this like universal underlying language uh, beyond just human language, which exists through symbols. And it seems to exist beyond just like our incarnations here on Earth. And, and that's why, like, you know, like, common symbols do appear throughout, throughout cultures. And, and a lot of these common symbols are ones uh, very directly um, extend, are direct extensions of sacred geometry. So, I mean, again, you know, like, that's where you get into symbols like the pine cone showing up all over the place within ancient cultures yeah. and, and that correlation between, like, that and expanded consciousness. And, like, again, you know, those representations of the eye and the awakening eye, and that ex is, again, another ex example of expanded consciousness. And the flower of life is an ex example of, like, unity and cohesion um, within, like, ancient cultures and everything. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, what, what actually, one of the things that I wanted to get into, because I mentioned this earlier, I wanted to get into some of like the the Mandelbrot um, aspect of like hyperdelic aspects of space time and how this can sort of like help us understand a little bit more about this reality um, and also sort of like a bit to do with um, the psychedelic experience as well. Um, but before I do that, I just want to check if anybody else, uh, or if Michael, if there's anything else that you want to say about that, what you were saying, based on symbols. Well, and... Basically, that um, I mean, these symbols, as far as we know, and it really just depends on what kind of history we're, I guess, co-signing with to really know, you know what happened, how do human beings go from, you know, um, supposedly if, if say, the ape theory is true, how do we go from, you know, ape, uh, uh, ape to Neanderthal man to, um, you know, Hercules or, you know, that, that kind of thing. But basically these, these, different symbols are prevalent through different cultures and you know some things are gonna mean the same thing like water or something I mean now there are distinctions that you can taste you know on water I guess but you know that water is pretty much gonna be the same kind of experience just like um, you know uh, lighting a fire you know, I mean, it's not going to turn into, you know, ice, you know. I mean, it's like, it's going to be a similar experience. And so I think human beings are going to try to verbalize in a way that, in the best way that they can, what that experience is. And so when we get to the point of writing something, it's all going to be kind of like, yeah, you know, the fire experience, you know, we rubbed the sticks together and there was this yellow thing that came out of it. We put our hands close to it and it was like, wow, that's, you know, so it's going to be kind of a, I think, all around going to be a pretty similar experience. And so the symbols, I think, kind of go the same way as that they're kind of trying to convey the same kind of like universal ideas, I guess. Mm -hmm. Word. Does that make sense? 
I think that that's I believe really, so. I, I mean, I think that that's really uh, a thing because, you know, it shows that uh, people from a long time ago, you know, tried to give meaning to things. And I think a lot of these symbols were intended to mean things. I think that's why they were drawn or created or and I think meaning is kind of what gives value to our uh, and for being I guess you know so mm -hmm. yeah word cool <clears throat> okay um, yeah let's uh keep bouncing around here um, and only just because like it's uh, yeah less than like 20 minutes and stuff like that um, but definitely you know like I encourage people to just like continue exploring you know like for people listening to this in the future like really just like keep connecting the dots in your own way keep exploring keep looking at ancient histories and cultures keep looking at symbols look at recurring symbols and even like modern symbols and like why they appear and and like what energies they are carrying with them and how like sometimes those energies can be used to like propagate conscious awareness and sometimes they can use to constrict conscious awareness so to speak so I mean there's some very powerful energies behind some of these symbols and when you can use them in positive ways they can create a lot of positive uh, intentions um, and so I mean like that's where like you know the flower of life has become like sort of like this icon a symbol for unity for for like an entire conscious community at this point uh, in the same way like the paradigm shift sigil is like like a very powerful symbol as well that has like an energy to it in its own way that is also like reflective of uh, sacred geometry as well like you can for just like a little tidbit people can take the sacred the paradigm shift sigil and you can put it over the flower of life and you'll see that it actually maps out over the flower of life which actually wasn't intentional when I made it I didn't realize that till afterwards and so it was just kind of like this thing of like I was like whoa cool because it was like the universe coming through me through its own creation of that um, okay guys I just, I just I just want to get into a, a couple points here. Um, okay, so one of the things that I mentioned to earlier, uh, and Kyle mentioned it as well, at, at close to the beginning, the idea of like the Mandelbrot set. And I'll do my best to explain this, and, and I only just say that. I'm getting a little, this is a super awesome idea, yet highly complex. Um, okay, so like when we're talking about fractals in reality, we talk about this idea of like recurring patterns. We talk about this idea of like proportions existing at multiple scales without needing to like create like a new pattern and so like the Mandelbrot set is um, it, it is a, a mathematical equation that a guy created through a computer and it's like sort of those Mandelbrot zooms that you can see and again you know it sort of represents this idea of like realities within realities within realities within realities and you can keep going in yet never essentially feel as if it's smaller because at every level it's its own whole and so what's interesting is that him creating this, I feel, is no coincidence, or it is a coinciding incidence. Um, it is the universe sort of re revealing to itself um, an aspect of what it is through the mathematical processing of a computer. Mm, computers are incredibly amazing because they're not just like something that we're creating just for fun. It's actually like the universe revealing more of itself through the technology that we have available. 
Um, so one of the things that I just want to be able to show you guys is um, I'm just gonna put it on a screen share right here. So this is this is some like uh, it, it, this is based off the Mandelbrot, and and this is um, a, a video of just like some like super really cool computer generated processes. It's like it's like a world that's been created through the similar concept of a Mandelbrot, and it's like a self-propagating like reality based on like algorithms and based on recurring patterns. And right now it's like a camera, and for people watching this, I'll put this into the show notes as well. Um, but it's um, once he sort of like zooms in on it, it, it it's, it's this idea of like realities within realities within realities within realities within realities. And again, the idea of like the Star of David fitting inside of itself. And it's just like another version of seeing this. But what's interesting is, is um, for me, from my own experience, this isn't just something that we're seeing within a computer simulation. This is actually something that is happening on the inner space of our conscious awareness within this reality. And what I mean by that is that through um, some of my own experience when I was like meditating, um, working with LSD, is that I actually saw something very similar to this. And, and, and basically, like, I experienced going through these, like, hyperdelic spaces, and it was my mind that was allowing me to sort of direct my way through these spaces. Like, wherever my attention went, it, it was, like, me controlling, like, this, like, this, like, single point of conscious awareness, flying through these, like, hyperdelic spaces. And, um... What's interesting is that, like, I, I feel like this is important to be aware of because it sort of, like, allows us to understand that, like, sacred geometry is not just something that exists within the physical dimension, but the concept of sacred geometry and the concept of infinity unfolding in on itself exists within the ways that our imagination works. Like, literally, like, that's kind of, like, the kicker is that, like, we have... We ought process the way our imagination works. The world, the the dreams that we have, are actually like unfolding through man, not just Mandelbrot, but are folding through like these infinity patterns that are folding through these like self-propagating reality creation mathematical equations. And so it gets into this idea of just like, well, shit, you know, like, is this something? If we can create this in a computer, then is our reality like created at like a higher level of somebody else's computer, um, which sort of just gets into this interesting idea, and it doesn't negate what, how awesome this reality is, whether or not it's like somebody else's simulation, but it is like a very interesting idea to just sort of hypothesize that like maybe this reality, um, I mean yeah, like I, I it's just like it's so, like was this is this reality like something that was created as like a sort of a holographic matrix intentionally, or is it just a holographic matrix um, by sort of uh, like ha by happenstance because it couldn't be anything else? But what I want to do is I want to show you um, the new trailer for the movie Do. Doctor Strange that is going to be coming out in the near future. And what's interesting is that in addition to this movie being all about esoteric knowledge coming to the surface, there's actually a part in the trailer that you see that shows this very similar representation um, through the visuals. And it's right here in this scene. And you see this guy and he's like literally like creating and it's it's just this one shot, and again, I encourage people to go and watch a trailer for it, and it's at about one minute and ten seconds. But you see this guy, and he's like moving the space around him, and it's very fractalated, and it's very just like 
what we see through the graphics of the, like, the Mandelbrot unfolding. And like to me, like that is consciousness, like becoming more self-aware of itself through the magic of the Hollywood wand, the spells being casted by like the Hollywood wand and the magic of the silver screen, the magic mirror. And like we're literally seeing ourselves. Um, we're literally like opening, uh, it's, you know, it says open your mind. And so, I mean, it's just, for me, I just want to point this out because like the sacred geometry stuff, it's not just existing within the physical dimension. The concepts of it and, and, and the aspects of how it unfolds exist within the ways of how our imagination works more than we even realize. When we understand that like our thoughts, even though we don't see them this way, are constantly like us flying through this hyperspace, it's just like something extra to be aware of. And again, through like meditation, through psychedelics, um, you can actually experience this. But again, you can also experience this through meditation with out psychedelics because the psychedelics are just showing you what is already there. Um, but yeah, that was just something I wanted to mention, just like this hyperdelic reality and just how that opens up um, just like a bigger understanding of like why the Mandelbrot isn't just something important for us to be like, oh, that's cool, that's a cool graphic, but it's actually a representation of how our thought process and our imagination is unfolding through the hyperdelic spaces of the inner worlds. That's what I want to point out. Um, does that make sense to you guys? Or do you guys have any expansions on that idea? Or any questions? Yeah, I know I'm on the same page. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's pretty amazing that like a movie like Doctor Strange is actually starting to like open up to that concept. Like that whole movie <laughs> is gonna be about spiritual metaphysics. Do you think that is part of the possible plot to get humanity on the on the right? Do you think that might be some sort of someone out there trying to fight the good fight and get conscious media out in the mainstream. I think that's something yeah. trying to divert the Illuminazis. The Illuminati? Um, yeah, like, I mean, again, we are the Illuminati, right? We are the Illuminated ones. Yeah, so dude. it's re reclaiming the power. Um, definitely. I mean, you guys know that I talk a lot about conscious movie reviews. Um, that's why I'm so excited about Doctor Strange, because I think it is a great vehicle for a lot of consciousness consciousness expanding ideas like people are going to see that movie and they're going to be like wait you know like is there more to this reality are multiple dimensions like are, are hyperdelic realities like actually a thing yes um, most definitely it looks interesting to me and I'm at the point in my life where I don't watch TV I don't watch the news I don't watch movies I don't go to the movies I don't read the newspaper I cut out all media that's because we're right. all manipulated. Yeah, a lot of it is used for manipulation, but the same way it can be used for bad, it can be used for good too. So again, you know, it's just like the symbols themselves are neutral. It's how you choose to use them. And again, like that's why I'm so prominent about like reclaiming the Eye of Horus. You know, like this symbol, a lot of people are like, oh, that's evil. But it's just like that's the story that you've been told. This is a very powerful symbol that can be used for good as well. Yeah, it's how you choose to wield it. Evil eye. So, so, like, yeah, exactly. Evil eye. Evil eye. Yeah. It doesn't even look like that. And that's yeah. why the paradigm shift sigil is like, it's like a blank slate. And that's why, like, it's so potent because we can use that as like a very powerful sigil. Yeah, um, and I encourage people to like meditate on the paradigm shift sigil. Did you like make that sigil like? Yeah, it to be it a paradigm or something, or like what? what yes and no. Randomly, it, it, like you're like it just that, that resonates with me. I'm using it. 
Yeah, it couldn't have turned out differently. Like, that's the only way it could have looked. I, it did go through variations, and at one point it looked like the Batman logo, but then it turned into that, so yeah. that's the history. But yeah. Yeah, um, that's definitely, that symbol actually resonates with me as if I've seen it before. Oh, yeah, it's from the future, that's why. And it's also yeah. from the past. Yeah, so. it's from so again, just, yeah, the future. <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, let's let's get close to wrapping this up. Um, the only other thing that I just wanted to hit upon, because I know we didn't uh, hit on it earlier, um, was just, like, the emphasis, again, of, like, r- how realities are created. And realities are created in the simplest form of when circles overlap. So that dyad, the vesica Pisces, that almond shape, like, that is, like, such an important thing. And I'm just bringing up my uh, screen share. And, again, you know, we have this image here of, like, showing cell mitosis uh, in correlation to uh, the origins of, like, the flower life, which is, again, like, one circle, two circles, four circles, eight circles. It looks like the seed of life expand on that and becomes the flower of life. And so, I mean, I just want to remind you guys, because this goes back into the idea of, like, our fields and our toroidal fields overlapping with other people is that when our fields overlap with other people, it creates that dyad, that vesica Pisces, and that is literally the space from which new ideas and new opportunities arise from. So, like, our, you can think of it that way, you know, like, our, our individual bodies are circles and when we overlap them with the fields of other people it creates opportunity. Our ideas are circles and when our ideas overlap with either our own ideas or other people's ideas they create that dyad, that almond shape, the vagina shape, that eye shape and like that creates birth. That is like a t- like that is where like new genesis comes out of um, and I just think like that that shape of the Vesca Pisces, the dyad is such an important thing. Oh and here's just like a cool image um, that's kind of like that fractal reality and like that's kind of like what you can experience um, through like working with like psychedelics and meditating sometimes. Um, that we saw, like, in Doctor Strange. And again, you know, so the Fibonacci spiral, um, we did hit upon that earlier. Like, to me, like, that's just, like, such an important thing, and it allows, like, the expansion and crystallization of uh, shapes and proportions throughout different dimensions, and it moves things forward. And um, what other things? The pinecone spiral. We didn't fully talk about the pinecone spiral as much, but again, you know, just encouraging people to go back and look through, like, the ancient symbolism of why it shows up in different cultures and their correlation of it in relation to higher conscious and the idea of it, like, being the container for the Fibonacci spiral, and it's, like, expanding outwards. It's expanding floating outwards, it's opening outwards, and so like it is that idea of like the pulse and the field and the wave being sent out from a single point, so as much as that is like the awareness of our third eye opening, it's also the expansion of our own individual being, and again, knowing that each one of those points that we're seeing on this pinecone is a seed, which is a holographic fractal of the entire pinecone, and in itself is a holographic fractal of the entire tree. So again, you know, it's just like every single piece of the extension from the origin point has all of the information of the entire origin in itself. All the seeds contain the entire tree within itself. And again, you know, it's just like that is how, that, that's why, again, getting into this holographic matrix idea, like everything's a black hole. Every thing is like a, a single jewel on Idra's web that reflects all jewels sort of thing. Nothing is disconnected because everything is a holographic reflection. Everything contains the information of everything in it. 
which is, again, just one of those ideas to wrap your head around. There's some cool Alex Gray art, which sort of, again, depicts that same spiral with the eyes. Really cool. Um, and there's an image of, like, the uh, toroidal field within the magnetic polarities of the Earth's magnetic field. And um, and then there's uh, another image of um, the Syriantra, which um, is, like, another image that we have uh, sort of from... Um, Eastern Hinduism, and uh, again, I feel that also relates to like the multiple dimensional layers of reality, and there's more to that, obviously. And again, there's a cool tree, as above, so below, you know, you are the galaxy. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, like, in conclusion, like, remember, like, you are not an extension of the universe, you are the universe. You are an extension of the universe, but you are a universe. You are the entire higher holographic matrix in your own form. And it's such like a beautiful thing. And again, you know, kind of what I said way back at the beginning to bring this full circle intentionally. For me, one of the core ideas of understanding sacred geometry is understanding that some people, they go through this process of feeling like they're just like really minuscule or they're really insignificant, but instead you realize that you, you are a crystallization point of the infinity above you and the infinity below you right here where you are. So it may feel like you're small, but you are freaking huge, depending on how you choose to look at yourself. You are small. You are big at the same time, but you are, like, so much information crystallized, like, into the exact size that you need to be in order to be able to just, like, experience, like, like the beauty and the awe of this reality and, and the gifts and the knowledge that we get to experience through it. So that's the joy of sacred geometry. Like, again, you are the universe, like, remembering itself, and there's more to remember. And Ultimately, you know, a class like this, I just want to encourage everyone to continue to do their own research and continue to, like, look at sacred geometry. Go, like, literally, like, that's the idea. You can find sacred geometry in everything. Sometimes it's hidden. And again, you know, even within our own body, like, it doesn't look like sacred geometry on the surface, but when you start looking at it in segments or small parts, you see the sacred geometry reveal itself. So it's this idea of, like, like symmetry creating chaos, creating symmetry creating chaos. So it's, like, patterns that together add up to look like something that doesn't look like a pattern, yet essentially it's made up of little patterns, and then if you add more patterns to that, suddenly it becomes a, a hologram of the original pattern itself. So look for sacred geometry everywhere you can and and you will be able to find it and obviously like within cities it will be harder to find it because you'll see like a lot of those straight edges and cities and, and everything but like even still like it just depends what perception because if you're looking at a city and you're just like I don't see the sacred geometry I just see like buildings and stuff like that buildings go up another level of dimension buildings are fractal and they are buildings are giant rectangles made of giant rectangles made of smaller rectangles yeah. made of smaller rectangles bricks made up of molecules made exactly. Of, yeah exactly buildings made up of bricks made up of like minerals bricks and windows made up of rooms yeah rooms that just yeah Exactly right. So it's all a matter of like how how you can flex your creative mind to be able to see the sacred geometry that literally is everywhere, and especially within nature. You know, like every that's 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 the exciting thing is everything has sacred geometry in it, and you are like the person who gets to investigate it firsthand. So I mean, this broadcast isn't meant to answer all the questions. It's just meant to like give you a lot of like cool ideas to bounce off of so that you can continue to explore on your own. You are um, so, the real world game, shared dream reality. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. And again, reminding ourselves that, you know, like within the sacred geometry of things, it even exists within sort of the dream space as well. And we'll explore that more within future topics. Um, but yeah, okay, just before we get close to wrapping this up, I just want to, yeah, I just want to uh, allow any of you guys to add in any final thoughts, final ideas that you want to pass off for the people listening to this um, in the future as well. So uh, any other final closing points that you guys want to add into this, please feel free. And then we'll just do a closing. Mike, you well, got your mic open. Uh, Kyle, go ahead. And the I said, Mike, you got your microphone open. Okay, Michael, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, basically the patterns, you can find them all over, uh, all over the place. I mean, you can find them in clouds. Uh, I think the important thing is to realize is that... Uh, Earth is, uh, or Mother Earth, or Pachamama, or you know whatever you want to call it. Earth is is a is a living, breathing entity, and I wouldn't like to think of us as like parasites, but like you know, it, it's like it's like. It's like you know those things like you use like like scratch your back. Back scratchers? Uh, yeah. Back back scratchers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think, to use I think that's what we are. I think that's what we are on on how how Earth looks at us. And you know, when there's explosions and stuff, that's like a mosquito bite. You know, that's like a or a or a spider bite. It's like, ow, that hurts. But when we are um you know, when our when we're putting our feet in the sand or whatever, we're doing qigong or or whatever we're doing. When we're doing something that's not harmful to uh, Earth, I think that we really do act as you know, as, you know, little massagers or little back scratchers to Earth. And I think if we kind of remind uh, remind that that it is a living, breathing, you know, thing that we're on, I think we just feel a lot more connected and and kind of trust that uh, you know it kind of all has a purpose, that type of thing. I guess I could add on to that same note in in saying like in saying that like yes, you know. In all of nature, in all of in all of the earth, we are as humans the guardians of it. And right now, instead of choosing to guard what we've been given or placed at, you know, we're destroying it. Yeah, you could say that much. Yeah, like we're we are guardians of the earth. You know. And I would say that would be like the mosquito bites, you know, the um, the bites, you know, when like there's explosions and stuff like that on the uh, Earth's surface, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like we do play a very important role in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We do, but we've been tearing it up. And that's probably what we did to Mars, or why Mars isn't there. 
but there's also been some weird evidence that Mars might have been eradicated due to high energy weapons. But that's a different topic for a different time. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to end the end that on leaving people going. Wait, wait, what? People are from Mars. Wait, no, that's that's my personal. Thing. <laughs> but I I, I oh. think that is really important to to recognize that. Uh, I would not like to see as human beings as parasites because I know we are um, amazing beings if we want to be or we choose to be. But um, yeah, I really do like that idea of uh, like back scratchers. You know, like it's appreciated. I think I think the more intelligent, and magnificent um, human beings are that are not using their gifts for destructive purposes or their intelligent for destructive purposes. I think we really do help the uh, planet, and I think the planet does appreciate that in its own way. I mean, I'm not trying to anthropomorphize Earth, but I just... No, I, I totally I, get it. I get it, because it does. It speaks. It speaks to us. It tells us what, we, what it wants. You know, when you're, you're working with plants in a garden, or if you work with plants on a daily basis for work or whatever... Like, you'll know, because if you have plants and you take care of them, they will let you know what they need. Like, my butterfly bush is outside in the yard, you know, been growing there for years. My butterfly bush is a little damaged. This year i got to cut some limbs off and promote growth. But mm-hmm. that butterfly bush, you know, I examine it and I look around it and take what I need to. And then I actually took what I needed to, and I made a clipping with it and shoved it in the dirt. Maybe I'll have two butterfly bushes. But one of them, you know, it's like the, the, the plant will tell you what it needs. It'll say, hey, this has to go so I can grow it here. Mm-hmm. But, right. You know, like I listened to it and decided the best thing, you know, that the plant was wanting, I guess, was just to get some support back where it was broken. So I took some string and kind of tied it to itself got it off the ground a little bit, it collapsed uh, under its own weight, it was too heavy, so trimmed it and fixed it, you know, it's pretty resilient, it's still living from last year, that broke last year, and it's still alive, you know, like, it'll live through that, it's proven to me that, so the butterfly bush is just going to be trimmed up and looking pretty. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> same, also, thing, same thing with earth and rocks and dirt, like that. it'll tell you what it means. It will tell you where to find the good stuff to make the best stuff. But when you start doing it, making weaponry, and, you know, yeah. then it all goes to a faulty. We could have pretty sweet lives with some high tech gear if we started taking technology and made it into living ray instead of weaponry. Mm-hmm. We could have some pretty living cool ray. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was going to say. Last points. Um, basically, if you observe the honeybee, the honey, the honeybee, I think I've said this on the show before, the honeybee does some really magnificent things, and it works in a community, kind of like ants, but not as, like... Oneness as ants are. I know what you're talking about. I I, I don't want to say ants are dicks, but, like, they're more harmonious, and they don't bite people, or they don't bite things, you know, um... Well, I mean, they all work together to produce honey that human beings can consume. But anybody it, it, that, 
I mean, it's something that is like saying like a giving back. There's also the geometry and the honeycomb, you know, the honeycomb shape, you know, the bees do. But they produce this liquid that naturally, I mean, people can consume and it's good for the, the digestive system. It's it's good for um, – it can act as like a tranquilizer. I mean, so many benefits. Uh, but this all comes because these bees – and they put a lot of work into this, you know, but that they don't that's kind of their function in, in, in the world or the universe. So but whenever they work together like that as a community, they get this glorious uh, golden sweet taste in honey. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's I think that's really uh, something we can learn from. Yeah. I like how um, somebody else sort of brought this to my attention, but, like, how do bees, like, make the honey? Like, they, they, like, vibrate. They literally just, like, vibrate at such an intense level that it, like, creates, like, the honey out of the matter around them and stuff like that. It's like they're dancing. Like they, they, and, and I was thinking about that because, like, at the festival, the Solstice Festival that was out a while ago, it's just like, it's just like yeah, we're, like, bees making, making honey just by, like, dancing sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So, anyways, that was something. Um, Dude, yeah. yeah, bees make honey. What if we got a bunch of human beings together and we're bee like, beings, bees, oh. learn from the bees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All together. I don't know, but you know, yeah. actually, there is something that human beings can do. If you've heard of Kachari Mudra before, has anybody heard of that before? No, what's that? It's basically... Oh, man, here we go. Yogis are, are, you know, they've done this for a while. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable. But basically, you put your tongue to the back of your... It's kind of like a soft point at the back of... Uh, uh, yeah, where your, um, your, your, your uvula starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you leave it there, it's just the tip. The tip is like the, it's like plugging, you know, it's like the connectivity. When you just touch just the tip and it's going in, in the very back like that and you leave it there. You leave it there for long enough, I know it's, it's, it is quite, it can be quite uncomfortable. But you leave it there, there's this honey-like, they call it like a, a nectar, like a divine nectar or something like that. And when people cons when people consume this, they say, you know, they they stop feeling hungry, they stop having certain cravings, but also it's um, is like DMT or there's there's something in in it basically, and but it's a natural thing that you know people can obtain that these yogis are famous for you can look well, that up now, what, called... now hold on wait they're just you put your tongue to the back of your your yeah, mouth where like, your uvula is and you it's the soft part it's like you have these different parts you have the very the the part like right behind the teeth that's called like the upper palate and then the yeah. middle it's called the middle palate. You went to go at the back where instead of hard, 
is where it just becomes from a, a harder surface to where it to just becomes soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you touch it there, see, it's interesting, though, because when you do this, it produces a certain type of nectar, kind of like honey, but it's a different experience. And um, it's called Kachari Mudra, if, if uh, anybody's heard of that. You just not. hold it there, and it creates a secretion? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what that does. Like, and when you, you look at that. When you it's feel really... it, it, well, it'll, ta- it'll taste kind of like a honey type of thing. But basically, supposedly when you, when you put it back there, when you're doing the certain mudra, it's like it activates the pineal gland, I think in a way, so it produces this kind of nectar, and when you drink it, uh, well, or just consume it, basically, when you have your tongue there for a long enough time, this thing will just secrete, and when if you can consume that, then you'll, you can have the, uh, hmm. I guess, the experience. Cool. Have you guys heard of that before? I have n- not actually, so some nice bonus info. Definitely branch into that for a future discussion. So yeah. that, that but goes into in holding that for several geometry. moments, I can mm-hmm. see how that position would trigger some organs in the body, especially up in your nasal cavity. So what it's doing is it's actually kind of pulling your nasal open a little bit. Opening an airway. Well, so well, yeah, I can well, definitely guys, we'll see how that would affect. Get closer, wrapping it up pretty soon. Okay, guys. So yeah. we'll just I definitely see how that could affect something to happen. Well, you know, like, to, to create something is, that would secrete. Just like the bees, like we can produce our own nectar, which is a interesting idea. That somehow mm-hmm. we're able to do that. I mean, it's it's not gonna be like, it's not gonna be like honey, you know. But we could produce our own kind of nectar, which is something I don't, I haven't heard much on, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting. And what's it called again? Kachari Mudra. Kachari Mudra. I think it's K H E C H. A R I. Got it. Mudra. Yeah, K H E C H A R I. K Chari. Cool. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, it's, I mean, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that, you know, um, it, there's a lot of honeys that are well known for their psychedelic properties as well. So keep that dot to connect. Oh, as I well. didn't know that. Totally. That's why bears eat honey because it's like a hallucinogen for them. So common, not like in some some cases, not all the time. But yeah, FYI. So, so if you feel like doing a bunch of like honey, just reincarnate as a bear, and nobody will mess with you. That's probably why they do it. <laughs> They're just like, I'm a bear. It's gonna eat some honey and meditate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, who bear always would get his. Honey, he was then. You know? Yeah. Taofu. Cool. Um, Taofu, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for that bonus info, because that's uh, something I'll definitely uh, look more into. I'm interested in that, so thanks, Michael. 
Um, oh, no problem. Visual diagrams. Yeah, there's some diagrams there. Okay, so um, let's uh, root back to Sega Geometry and just wrapping up this episode. Um, do uh, uh, Jenna or Implying, if you guys have any final thoughts to go out on or even just feedback on what you thought of the broadcast and if you guys had fun tonight and everything like that or anything else, feel free to add that in. And I know Implying you got here later, but feel free to add any final thoughts related to Sega Geometry as well. Um, is Jenna still there? She may be. She may have fell, fell asleep. It's quite possible. I mean, it is like after 2 a.m., so <laughs> we're crazy. Yeah. That's fucking so weird. Like, yeah, she may not be there. And all kinds of shit. <laughs> it's all like... Cool. So, um, so Imply is just saying learned a lot in the chat, so cool. Yeah, I mean, if you want to unmute yourself, feel free to do well, that. I, I really enjoyed... Um, I, I like these kind of topics uh, because I think um, it's like it, you really kind of understand like certain things that you might overlook mm-hmm. yeah. a lot better and um, you know like that there is a purpose to things and not to fall under this you know what is you know that that things are meaningless kind of things. I think I think that's one of the things that human beings really strive for is to that things have meaning. Yeah. You know, find that meaning. Yeah. Yeah, and oftentimes, you know, again, like a lot of times, this reality works with the idea of it being hidden in plain sight. So that's the exciting part of just like it's about that paradigm shift, you know, you might be looking at a tree for your entire life and you're just like, oh, it's just a tree, it just produces oxygen, but if someone's just like, that's a map for the universe, you're just like, wait, what? And then you're just like, oh my god, and then it just like, you know, the tree doesn't change, you change, and you know, that's what this is about, it's about changing yourself and then your perception and your relation with the reality around you also shifts accordingly, which is super exciting. So, um... Hack the matrix. That's right. Wake up within the matrix. So, okay, guys. Um, let's uh let's officially uh, wrap this up. And again, you know, just encouraging people that if they want to research this more, just use your Googles. Um, and 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 do lots of research. There's there's plenty more on this. You know, just look up sacred geometry. There's lots of wonderful videos. And just continue to like find it within your reality. Go on a nature walk. You know, pick up some pine cones, bring them with you, hold it, let it teach you something, meditate on it. There's so much to it. And, uh, yeah, that really is, like, just, like, you know, about opening up the doors to a lot more of the exciting stuff that you're going to continue to learn through this ongoing exploration of your own consciousness. So with that said, um, just as we get ready to wrap this up, just thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this. And, of course, you can please tune in for other future broadcasts through the Paradigm Shift community. The following broadcasts I will have after this will be the Dream Class, which will be coming up on July 12th, and those are every other Tuesday. And then the next Thursday we'll have our Paradigm Shift admin meeting. So again, if you want to learn more about creating a Paradigm Shift community so that you can have open-minded discussion and meditation circles where you are, then please feel free to tune in for that, whether you're joining or simply just listening. It is highly recommended because that's what this is about. This is about as much as we create these digital 
digital spaces, we want to create those physical spaces for people to come together and connect where they are. And you can be the catalyst. You can be the portal to help do that in your community. And then following that, next Thursday, we have our, uh, the following Thursday on July 21st, we have another Paradigm Shift team building hangout, which is more of just a casual hangout. And anything that comes up in that can go, you know, whereas this is a specific topic, those are just sort of, again, open space for anything that needs to come up. And then... The uh, by the end of um, the um, des the next Destiny School, which will be a month from now, the next theoretical topic that we may be working with will be UFOs. But I'm going to confirm that as we get closer to it, I may actually just sort of put out a poll, a little bit of a vote for the community to see uh, what class topic we actually want to do, and then potential future topics where actually things related to entheogens, and did I have some other ones beyond that? Not necessarily. So um, we're kind of plotting those out as we go through them, but yeah, I'm really happy with how this class went uh, as well. And of course, just inviting everyone that to be able to support and add their support to the ongoing free broadcast that we do here for the community, creating this evolving social media platform, to please sign up for the team Patreon when you can. And, and again, that's patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton, or go to paradigmshiftcentral.com forward slash donate, or go to anywhere on the Paradigm Shift Central website and click on the link to join the monthly support squad, and doing so gets you the shift buttons, which again, come with all sorts of sacred geometry on them. So now that you've learned about sacred geometry, you can get some sacred geometry on your buttons, and you can give those out as gifts and use those to plant seeds and help shift consciousness where you are and invite people back to the main website. And we're working towards our next team milestone goal of 700 by the end of July, and we are currently just past 600. So again, huge shout out to everyone for being able to add their support to that. And um, just as a little bonus note, um, July 18th, so in 10 days from now, give or take, is uh, my birthday, and uh, that's going to be on a Monday, and I'm just like wanting to be able to say like thank you so much guys like I want to be able to like use the birthday as just a chance to celebrate all of us to be able to celebrate the community and uh, it's my intention to possibly, um, seeing how things work out, to have an early release of uh, the Journey to Lucidity 3 movie. And uh, I'm going to do my best to have, if not the full version, some new version of that. And again, that is going to be available uh, also to members of the Team Patreon uh, as well. And that Team Patreon fundraising is helping support the production of these full-length conscious and shifting movies. And if you're not familiar with those, you can go to my YouTube at youtube.com forward slash SkullBabylon and find the Journey to Lucidity City movies just by searching them on YouTube or go through the main website and you'll see a button within your heads up display for shift movies and you can click that as well and link you there as well and uh, other than that that pretty much covers all the bases and again just thank you so much everyone for being a part of this if you're looking to connect with some people in this broadcast you can find the information in the show notes as well as most of the images that we've talked about in this broadcast are also in the show notes for the Paradigm Shift Destiny School of this episode and uh the links in there also for some of the videos that we referenced as well within this broadcast. So yeah, um, just taking a second here and just to reflect if there's anything else to mention. Um, yeah, you know, the only other thing is, again, just I hope this broadcast, uh, you know, again, use this broadcast as inspiration. Use this broadcast as a catalyst to encourage you to continue the conscious conversations where you are and to just continue to be able to shift the paradigms where you are. Being a shifter is someone who is intentionally helping shift consciousness as part of this real-world game 
through paradigmshiftcentral.com. So sign up through the main website if you haven't yet, and you can use the quest journals there to be able to document the spiritual journeys of your own path, and sharing your quest journals will help you share your story with a global audience while also supporting the entire team in doing so. So with that said, guys, um, we are ready to wrap this up, and thank you so much, everyone, for being a part of this. Please, the last thing I will just say is please continue to share the show. If you're a big fan of the show, share it with your friends. That is the way how this show continues to be able to evolve is simply by you guys being able to help support it. Facebook is incredibly challenging these days in terms of being able to expand our audience, and a lot of it comes through our individual efforts of us individually 